thank you for listening to the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast. We are so thankful you've chosen to spend some time out of your day with us as we talk about all the news and happenings in the racing world. My name is Rob Peters in Indianapolis, Indiana, and joining me from Charlotte, North Carolina, is my good friend and co-host Josh Roller. We have a very big show in store for you today. It might be a little bit more NASCAR heavy than usual, but that's because we had a lot of NASCAR news dump over the week, and NASCAR was the only major racing series that we cover. There was some MotoGP and some of, you know, Super GT was going on as well. We're not exactly going to cover that, um, especially because, you know, MotoGP coverage in America is not what it used to be, and I have to pay for Super GT, and I just, I can't afford that right now. But that's all right, because we still have a lot of news to cover today. So we're going to go jump right into the news, because like I said, we have a lot of NASCAR news to cover. We have a ton of uh, other news to cover. We've got some new chassis news. We've got some... Uh, schedule news, we've just got everything we've got to cover, so let's go ahead and jump right in. I'm going to fade off the music right here and jump right into uh, Rob's Racing Report. Hello, everybody. I'm Rob. Josh is alongside with me. He hasn't spoken up yet, but he will shortly. Uh, we're going to start off with Formula One news today, starting off. Alex Albon took to social media to say thank you to everyone for their well wishes, but also shared that he hopes to be back for this weekend's upcoming Singapore Grand Prix. Uh, this weekend, the following weekend. The following weekend, excuse me, sorry. I forgot F1 still got another way, because this was the, supposed to be the week for the Russian Grand Prix. You're right. So he will be back, uh, hopefully, in two weeks' time at the Singapore Grand Prix, excuse me, um, as he is recovering from appendicitis. I learned how to say it from last week, Josh. It. You did. I practiced it. I practiced it. I, practiced I can imagine you standing in front of the mirror and practicing that word. <laughs> you bet. You bet. Uh, some controversial news today and we're going to get into this more close when the upshift and downshift question so so hold up hold up share your save your ammunition save your anger and your angry tweets for a little bit wait until we get to the upshift downshift because we're going to have some debates on that but don't forget that you can if you feel so inclined right now you're not driving in your car you're sitting at your home and you know you're doing work or you're not doing work but you're doing work um, and you're listening to the show and you're getting kind of fired up by what we're talking about, go ahead and tweet us. Use the hashtag RobinRoller at RobinRoller, spelled just as it sounds, uh, R-O-B-A-N-D-R-O-L-L-E-R, and you can tell us all about what you think about this next piece of news because the FIA has announced that they will not grant Colton Herta a super license waiver, waiver and therefore Herta's deal with Red Bull to drive for Alpha Tauri has fallen through. So the entire, up until this point, Herta was all set to go and race for Alpha Tower next year, but he did not have the super license points. So he requested the waiver. Red Bull requested the waiver. And the FIA has said no. They've said absolutely not. This is not, we're not going to do this. And this has sparked a lot of a lot of debate. Um now I'll before going into anything more, because like I said, we'll, we will get to this uh later in the um upshift downshift i'm just disappointed they gave up a little bit too early because i think i along with a lot of other people uh probably would have enjoyed to watch colton herta beat up on a bunch of f4 juniors <laughs> or like an f3 asia or the f3 um uae or f4 uae f3 uae formula regional whatever i don't know not formula regional but one some of those winter series just to get like renus vk did renus vk did it um 
he did it and it's it's you know it's not impossible to to get enough super license points that way uh but i think i do think that they perhaps gave up a little bit too early because i think a red bull funded seat in one of those championships that's what three four five events long you know over the course of with two races each so a total of 10 races over the course of five weekends you know if they colton hurry would have probably won that easily and gotten the required super license points probably right josh i would i would venture to say he'd have a high likelihood of winning that championship yes. unless like the next racing prodigy is in the field that yeah. would actually give him a run for his money he, he'd just beat up on the whole thing he'd win by like five seconds maybe even more you know it it i think red bull should have just funded that it would have been i mean no it would have, wouldn't have been necessarily the cheapest option it wouldn't have been the money-saving option, but it would have solved their problem. It would have gotten enough super license points. But we'll talk about the super license system a little bit more when we get into the upshift downshift. But do share your thoughts with that uh, with us on that if you are so inclined. Let's move on to some IndyCar news because now, we, of course, we know Colton Nerd is not going anywhere next year, so uh, that probably locks down a Andretti Autosport ride for next year, right? I would assume. So Herta will probably be back in the 26. Uh, but what we also know is, how about this? Alex Pillow will remain with Chip Ganassi Racing, and Felix Rosenquist will return to Aero McLaren SP in 2023. All of that drama was for basically nothing. And now I feel like an idiot for even considering the fact that Lando Norris could lose his ride. Josh, we all knew it was possibly unlikely, but now I feel like even more of a fool for suggesting it, because now apparently everybody, all those plans being up in the air, were for not and everything worked itself out and it didn't I matter. Would, I I am shocked. I knew I explode this as a McLaren connection to do some testing, but I was convinced he was going to be going to drive for McLaren and IndyCar next year and Felix Rosenquist was either going to be in Formula E or some sort of extreme E for the McLaren. Yeah. I was really surprised they didn't pick uh pick him for Formula E because I I, I feel still like Felix is talents as a race car driver come out more in formula e than they do in indycar but i recognize and i respect the fact that felix wants to continue in indycar and so for that reason i'm happy that uh mclaren was able to give him that opportunity to stay in uh indycar and continue to to run the indy 500 and continue to run the long beach grand prix and all the other uh races in the indycar series either way i'm also very surprised that Polo came back because just it seemed very unlikely. I mean, the body language, and maybe it was just because this is only what we saw. Maybe things were different behind closed doors, but the body language at Laguna Seca between Chip and Alex Polo did not seem like they were on amicable terms. I, I'm sure it has everything to do with Alex, and it feels like he's getting paid what he deserves to be paid, and that's satisfactory enough for him for one year. I don't expect him to be back in the Chip Canassi 10 in 24, though. I think he's gone after next year. Yeah, I think I think it'll be 2024 that when around this time next year, it'll be really interesting. Or maybe we'll know by, by this time next by, year what I happens. I think we'll know by after the Indy 500 that he'll be going to McLaren. You think that'll be, well, that would be announced that quickly? That would be my prediction that, that, if they don't, that if they don't announce it, they probably won't announce it during the 500 because I would respect Unless Zach Brown just wants to give him kind of like the middle finger uh, chip. Um, but I would expect maybe around Detroit, McLaren announces that 
Pelot's driving for Chevrolet and McLaren next year. Um, and you're talking about next year's schedule already and assuming when Detroit would be. And the funny fact about this is, is as of recording this episode, it's Monday night. It's Monday night, uh, September 19th, 2022, when we're recording this. Um, we don't have the IndyCar schedule yet. We we don't. Um, we have bits and pieces of it based upon when other schedules have been released because we got the NASCAR schedule this week, so we were able to confirm a couple of dates via that. Uh, and we also got the IMSA schedule earlier, so we were able to confirm a couple of dates with that as well. Um, but now the IndyCar uh, schedule is still not out, and we're kind of starting to wonder, when are things going to happen? I'm hoping, uh, that hoping that there's nothing wild going on and that there's just like this late 18th race edition. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering I, that too because... I think there's it, a lot of pressure from... I think you, you heard Zach Brown from McLaren talk about how you know they need to work on their Northeast and Atlantic expansion for IndyCar. Um, but in general, I think there's a lot of people in the paddock saying, look, we need more races. We need to be at this track. We need to be at th- that track. We need to be at that track. And they are, if if they're holding us up for for something like that, good. If they're not, and it's just going to be a 17-race schedule, and, and it's coming down to a TV thing, we're like, well, we got to determine if it's a night race or a day race. That's going to be utterly just anticlimactic with what I'm hoping for. I I'm really surprised that and and this is a bit of a spoiler alert for the future, I guess. But with the NASCAR schedule being out, and and, and I'm assuming most of our re- our listeners probably know this already, but with the NASCAR schedule being out, um, and the Truck Series making a return to Milwaukee, and Milwaukee having and like this big thing that's apparently being discussed amongst the within IndyCar as a potential return. There's obviously this big demand. A lot of people are strongly believe that IndyCar belongs at Milwaukee. I'm I'm the same. I'm in the same boat. I believe IndyCar absolutely belongs at Milwaukee, and I believe we need to have more ovals on the schedule. I'm at the point now that, especially with this next piece of news that I'm going to talk about in a little bit, just. I don't care what the ovals are. I just want more ovals. Like if if you add a, a a mile oval like Milwaukee, if you add a New Hampshire like an SMI track, a New Hampshire, if you add, um, you know, if you add heck another uh, Iowa doubleheader, great. You know, as long as we're getting more ovals on on the on the circuit, you know, the last thing I want to see is that it be a seventeen race schedule and you only have five ovals, yeah. and and that's that's just unacceptable to me. Uh, you have to get more closer to, I believe, around six or seven for it to be a really solid opportunity. And I think that IndyCar has that opportunity to do, to get six or seven more ovals. Those two more ovals, they just need to get that. Um, but I was really surprised that with the Truck Series announcing that they were going back to Milwaukee, that we didn't hear anything from the IndyCar camp on that Milwaukee. Because now it seems, okay, they've, got, they've had a couple of relatively successful ARCA races. Uh, at, yeah. at at Milwaukee, obviously this yeah. most recent one was affected right. by weather, so doesn't really count. But the other races have been relatively successful. There's clearly a demand up there for more racing in in, in Wisconsin. El, you know, Road America sells out 
whatever whatever they bring there. Sports cars, IndyCar, NASCAR doesn't matter. Um, and Milwaukee, definitely, there's this this big push to get racing back to Milwaukee, given its historical significance. The fact that it's been hosting races for longer than Indianapolis, it's been hosting IndyCar races for that same amount of time. It's you know it, it's traditionally an IndyCar racetrack track in the United States. It's been it hosting is, races. It truthfully, is. It's it's I'm really surprised that we haven't heard any rumblings for that. And now Nathan Brown, who again, full disclosure, is one of my coworkers. I guess you could call him one of my coworkers now. Um I mean we work for Gannett, but he works for the star and I work for a different team, but we still report racing for the star. Point is, um despite my confusion about our official titles, my official title, I guess. Uh, he's, he's, you know, talking, you know, they've got some rumblings and I'll, I'll let me pull up some of his, uh, tweets from earlier today. This is, again, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday and I wanted to talk about this real quick first, um, because I will get into this next piece here real quick, uh, because I want to move on and I also want to talk about this, but IndyCar and this is one of the biggest things that was a, a weight off my shoulders. Uh, this is something that literally I felt when I read this, I felt the weight lift up off my shoulders, Josh, was that IndyCar and Texas Motor Speedway have quietly announced a multi-year extension, which will keep the track on the IndyCar schedule for the indefinite future. So they have announced their return to, so they're going to have this, the, finally, we're going to have, it's it's not going to be a solo series anymore, which is finally, the fact, the, the fact of the matter is IndyCar Texas is a great show, but it cannot survive on its own. It cannot survive on its own. And I think it's a great thing that NASCAR, Texas, and IndyCar have made the decision to pair IndyCar with the trucks again because that was always a success before. I mean, I think as a race fan, that's probably one of your best deals. I mean, it was the NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader before the NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader. You know, you. I mean, if you were a fan down in Texas, you were waiting for that that first weekend of June, man, because that means you got to see one of the most exciting truck races of the year and the most exciting IndyCar race of the year, arguably, and depending on what, what year it was uh, and what configuration of the track they were using. Uh, but I'm glad that that ticket is returning now in April. Um, I'm so happy. <laughs> I, it, I'm just, I literally cannot express to you how, Josh, I, I can't fully express to everybody just how happy I am to read this. But uh, despite this, now we're talking about the IndyCar schedule here. I'm going to read a couple of Nathan Brown tweets that I found uh, very poignant today. Now, this is what he tweeted at 2.03 today. Uh, Another 2023 IndyCar schedule nugget. According to multiple sources, the series plans to hold its open two-day preseason test February 2nd through 3rd, 2023, at the Thermal Club in Southern California. The venue includes multiple track layouts around two miles and sits about uh, 40 minutes east of Palm Springs. Um, he also noted this about the schedule. He says, things can always be changed, but I was led to believe this weekend that the earliest we'd see the anything on the schedule would be Thursday, and that is next week, uh, and that next week was still on the table, but we'll have to see. So... In terms of the timeline of when we could be getting the IndyCar schedule, it could either be this week or next. We really have no idea at this current moment, as of Monday night recording this this episode. 
Um, we really don't know. Now, um, Josh, I have to ask you, I don't particularly know much about this, the Thermal Club. Now, someone has, seems to have uh, posted a photo of it in the comments to this tweet. Um, so if you're you know, not driving and want to look this up, I guess you're more than welcome to, to do so. Um, but this, it seems to me, it looks like a, a, a pretty simple, interesting flat test track, you know, kind of similar to a Nola or maybe even a modern Paul Ricard. Um, well, I guess it's something like, um, a, uh, country club track. Yes. I believe something, that's, that's something what like it's, that. Yeah. Um, because as I look here around, there are, there are condos around it and I, those are certainly places where you can go hang and then go take a short drive to your car. So that's an interesting piece there because if, if they're going to use that testing situation, now this is uh, uh, someone brought up, I believe it was Tony DeZino who quote tweeted it and brought up a good point about um, the fact that uh, let me see here. Uh, it's a B2B deal. Uh, tend to occur at tracks like this because of the clientele. He recalls, Tony Tony Zeno recalls that the QSIC Dragon Speed Indy 500 tie-up discussion originated at a meeting at that track. So that's what Tony DeZeno, a uh, former reporter for NBC Sports and uh, current reporter, um, I'm not sure for, I think it's Sports Car 365 maybe, Sports Car Daily, I can't remember what, maybe, or it doesn't say on his Twitter page, maybe he's a freelancer now, but, um, but yeah, that's what he, uh, he notes, um, says here, Nathan replied to that tweet actually, and said also among others, arrows, Mike long is a member out there. So, uh, it looks like, uh, one of the high ups for arrow, which is the majority partner to arrow McLaren SP, uh, says he's a, uh, he's a member at that, uh, venue. So that could also be pretty good now. And, and I'll say this, that's, that's huge. Um, now, I, again, I'm not going to look like too big into things, but again, I'm I'm really hoping. I'm really hoping that if what if Tony Dezino is pointing this out and saying, you know, these kinds of deals are what's made here, is is these business, you know, these types of business deals are, are what's being made. This B2B deal. I would really hope that some sort of discussion would be taking place of doing what we've done with Iowa to some kind of other oval. I don't know what that oval is. Obviously, my heart says Michigan at this point, whatever oval is feasible. If it's an SMI oval, great. If it's, if it's, if it's Homestead, great. If it's Homestead, by all means, I'm more than happy. You know, I think if we're talking about the IndyCar schedule and wanting to expand it, if they still have their heart set on not ending the season, you know, ending the season by Labor Day or a little bit after Labor Day, if they still have their heart set on that, that what they need to be doing is, is starting the season earlier. And where do you do that? You do it in warmer climates. What are the best, one of the good warmer climates would be to do that would be Florida. Ergo, Homestead. Have a nice little, maybe, I don't know, 1.30, 2.30 day race at Homestead in, in February. Why not? Or maybe even early February. Maybe get a jump start on, on the Super Bowl. You know, have a big oval race at, at Homestead and, and have some kind of company promote that in the same. Because this is what was interesting was when Bob Pockris tweeted 
a note about this. This was what was interesting is Bob Pockers tweeted when we were talking about Iowa, and we'll talk about Iowa and the NASCAR schedule in a little bit, but I want to talk about this right now to to further into this this discussion is Bob Pockers discussed um, the fact that NASCAR didn't really want to put a lot of money into Iowa right now, and that the only reason that they allowed IndyCar to do that was because it was funded entirely by uh, Hyvee. And IndyCar just simply rented the venue. Um, given what Pockris is saying about that, it it leads me to believe that perhaps other NASCAR-owned ovals would be open to that kind of uh, a a strategy. Meaning, IndyCar would just say, "Hey, look, we've got this big sponsor. They're going to do a lot of promotion. They're going to promote this event. We'd like to just rent this venue." Rent your venue for this weekend, and you know. And let's be honest, NASCAR is cutting a lot of dates within their own own tracks. So these tracks are going to have a lot of open dates that IndyCar could potentially take. Um, you know, and and especially with you know tracks like Michigan, tracks like um, um, Pocono. Pocono is not NASCAR, but um, I'm just thinking of Michigan. You know, tracks that have had one of their two dates stripped from them. Um, that are owned by NASCAR. Uh, Michigan's the only one that comes to mind right now, but I, I'm, I'm sure there are others, um, of just potentially renting that track and, and hopefully making it work. Like, again, and I'm not, like I said, my heart's set on Michigan, but if, if it happens to be Homestead, even better. I think Homestead personally right now would be the better idea, especially when we're talking about getting the series started a little bit earlier. If you're going to host a race in January, you're probably not going to do it anywhere but florida or southern california and unfortunately right now we're it based on what we're going to talk about here in a little bit is probably not going to have another oval track down in southern california capable of hosting indy cars so the other only other option would be phoenix or homestead phoenix was a dud last time new modern phoenix doesn't work for indycar but homestead homesteads apparently showed interest in the past so if homestead's still interested and if nascar signs off on this I think they could get a deal done, and especially with possibly these some of these B2B deals saying, hey, you don't have to sponsor a car. You can just sponsor this weekend, and if you pour in this much money, we'll plaster your company's logo all over the, the, all over the place, basically, uh, all over the, the city, all over the area. Like, imagine your company's logo all over Miami. Not bad, right? And it'd be a heck of a lot cheaper than sponsoring the Miami Grand Prix for Formula One. This is all of what well, I'm thinking. All of what I'm thinking. Uh, let's see. It looks like I've talked a little bit too long because we've got a lot of NASCAR news to cover. So uh, let's jump into some of the IMSA news that we're going to talk about here. Uh, this covers NASCAR news as well. Spoiler alert. Uh, the planned IMSA race at the Chicago Street Course for 2023 has been scrapped. It's not happening. It's being replaced by a different race and we're going to get to that here coming up in a little bit uh now on to some supercars news that we will conveniently segue into nascar news uh actually first what i'll mention is uh it appears that the Erebus ceo who was involved in that little scuffle barry ryan who was involved in that little scuffle with mark witterbottom last week at auckland at pukakoe uh he has been reprimanded i don't know exactly what the Charge what the effects of the reprimand are. The motorsport.com article did not <laughs> was not very clear at what exactly charge or penalties he'd be facing, whether or not he'd be fined, whether or not he'd, you know, be 
you know, stripped of points, stripped of, you know, garage access, what have you. I, I have no idea really what his ultimate penalty is, but he has been reprimanded. So I did want to pass that along since we talked about that last week. Uh, but the other piece of news here is that Ford has unveiled a new look to their Gen 3 spec Mustang for use in the 2023 Repco Supercars Championship. The sixth generation Mustang that was avail- unveiled during the initial Gen 3 unveiling earlier this year will be replaced by an updated model. A Gen 3 spec seventh generation Mustang will make its on-track debut next month at Bathurst before becoming the Ford chassis for the next year's supercar season. Now, so this coincides with now Ford has unveiled a, an updated seventh generation Mustang to go on sale. Uh, so they are updating their race cars to go in uh, to to follow suit. As a result. They've updated the supercars. They've unveiled the next generation supercars uh, as well. And they're going to premiere it at Bathurst before it becomes full time. It's not going to race at Bathurst. It's going to just do some demo laps. Uh, But NASCAR, on the terms of NASCAR, the Ford Mustang and the NASCAR Cup Series will receive a makeover in 2023 after the Ford Motor Company unveiled the new Ford design. Now, given the similarities between the next-gen car and the uh, Supercars Gen 3 spec that we were able to pretty easily put two and two together and say, wow, these are almost the same thing, just one has a rear wing and a lot more downforce. Yeah. Um, oh, and one can open open its doors on the side. One has doors, the other has doors. Okay, there's more differences, but aesthetically they look about the same. Yeah. Um, uh, we can potentially, we could maybe make, get an idea of what this next generation 2023 Mustang would look like. Um, but it remains to be seen. We probably won't know until we start seeing some test images of this car and probably not until honestly, maybe even, uh, a couple of weeks before Daytona, if I'm being honest with you, when we finally start to see some of the updated cup liveries or some of the die cast models get, uh, get pushed out you know around early early to mid-january you'll start to see some of those start to come out which is what i would expect or they could decide to do a hard um a hard announcement a traditional one and call a press conference at the charlotte roval or something i'm making that up i have no insider information um all right uh so let's uh that there's that um and then uh that's pop into some of the next NASCAR news here. This is going to be a little bit more easy, a little bit more easy to adjust NASCAR news here real quick. Uh, racers Kelly Crandall reports that Petty GMS Racing will utilize Joe Gibbs Racing pit crews beginning in 2023. This is not an uncommon practice. Typically, there's a lot of smaller teams uh, rent their pit crews or, you know, hire or, you know, draft, sign, what have you. You want to call it pit crews from bigger teams. Um, Brandon Jones will leave Joe Gibbs racing in the Xfinity series at the end of 2022 to take over the number nine junior motorsports Chevrolet with Noah Gregson leaves for the cup series to take over the petty GMS number 42 next year. Uh, Hendrick Motorsports has signed Kyle Larson through 2026. HendrickCars.com will continue to sponsor him in 35 of the 38 race weekends next year. Uh, now, before we talk about the NASCAR National Series for schedules for 2023, NASCAR announced that the 2023 race weekend at Auto Club Speedway will be the final one on the two-mile race configuration as the track will be transitioned into a short track, details of which will be released at a later date. Uh, I alluded to that a little bit earlier, saying that we won't have a 
oval track raceable in Southern California anymore. And this is where that illusion was going to. Uh, now, NASCAR released the 2023 schedules for the Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series next year. And here are some of the highlights that we'll talk about here real quick. On the Cup side, the final two-mile race at Auto Club will be held on February 26th. So again, this West Coast Swing will continue to take place. Uh, Coda will return in March 26th, typically would be that first Texas race date, which is now, you know, going still being shared in least, I guess, through Texas, to SMI promoting the race and whatnot. Uh, the uh, Bristol Dirt will return on Easter Sunday, which will be April 9th this year. North Wilkesboro's All-Star Race will be on May 21st. There's only one off week this year, uh, much like this past year as well. 2022 only had one off week. 2023 will again only see one off week. Uh, that it's coming on June. Race weekend. What's that? It's not the Le Mans Race Weekend. It is not, surprisingly. It is not the Le Mans Race Weekend, which is uh, disappointing to many. Um, kind of, we'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit, but it is kind of strange and a little bit disappointed, but I'm sure they probably weren't thinking about that when they were finalizing the schedule, but it does seem like a, a lapse in, in judgment a bit. Um, the Chicago street course is, as previously was announced, scheduled for July 2nd. Uh, the summer Atlanta race is finally being moved to a Sunday night race. It's about darn time. Um, first of all, I would like to say thank you to NASCAR for moving you know, again, like I said, if we can't have, if you're not going to move the Daytona July rate, the second Daytona race back to its proper July 4th date, I appreciate you at the very least making this Atlanta diet super speedway into a night race. Thank you. Hopefully that will increase attendance. Hopefully it will be much cooler because people won't be dying in the hot Atlanta sun in the middle of July for Lord knows what reason. Thankfully, it'll be a lot cooler now, and also that Sunday night. And it's nice to see a night race return. It seems like night races have almost been made obsolete with Richmond getting so many. Richmond now being all run and during the day, um, you know, shoot, uh, Bristol uh, dirt being run on Sunday night and, and, and everything, and sometimes starting in the day. Uh, just very interesting to see that. Uh, but anyway, that's that's good. Uh, we will see back-to-back -back road courses uh, in Indianapolis and Watkins Glen. It was previously announced that the Indianapolis road course was going to be back for 2023, but now we will see it um, go back to its tradition. It's going back to August. By the way, this was something that was interesting. Uh, this will be the first Brickyard held in August since 2006. I believe it was. I believe I'm correct. 2006 was the last Brickyard. One race was held in August. No, it was still held in July. I'm looking. I'm looking it up. I, I swore it was. was it? Well, I thought right. it was in July. Uh, scrolling down, scrolling, 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 scrolling. Find scrolling. out if I'm if I just nope, said Indianapolis another wrong in 2021 was on August 15th. Gosh darn it, Josh! I gotta stop with this. I, Josh, I gotta, I gotta get better. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. I accidentally spread false information again. Uh, there's only going to be one trip to Texas for the first time since, I know this is a fact, for the first time since the Furco lawsuit in 2004, for the first time, so only one trip to Texas, and that's September 24. But... Yeah, the, the, um, the playoffs stay basically the same for the Cup. Right, but NASCAR fans in Texas need not worry, because you are gaining a truck series race 
along with an IndyCar race. This has been confirmed, and I already talked about this, so I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything because we haven't gotten to the truck space race. Well, We're getting you, a nice. Yeah, you, they've always had, they had a truck race. Um, it's just they're. It's getting. It's becoming a much better value again. I'll say that. No comment. <laughs> okay, if, if this is this is not a dig on on Texas. Surface. I know. This is my personal opinion that an IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader is, is just overall a better ticket than a full NASCAR doubleheader, in my opinion. Like if I if I'm gonna buy tickets to any oval race and you throw and if you're gonna have a standalone truck race at any oval and you're gonna try and get me to go to that truck race and it's not IRP, you better darn well be throwing in an IndyCar race there. That's just my opinion. Otherwise, you can't you couldn't get me to care any you couldn't get me to care any more about a truck race not on a short track. But if you put a truck race on an intermediate or like a Milwaukee and you pair it with IndyCar, boom, you just made one of the most valuable tickets in in, in my opinion in all sports. So Texas doing this to me adds value again to not just that truck race, but also the IndyCar race because you're pairing two traditionally exciting races. Because I mean, again, I know no comment for the for you, Josh, but traditionally the truck races and the IndyCar races have been the more exciting races at Texas for whatever reason. Maybe the higher speeds, maybe it's the draft, maybe it's you know what have you. But in my opinion, those truck IRL combo races were always just gold. They just made for an exciting, action-packed weekend at Texas that you really looked forward to. And the fact that it's returning, even though it's in early April. I'm still happy that it's coming back. I'm really happy that it's back, and I'm just celebrating it. But the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series is only going to go to Texas just once. Just right. once this year. Just once. And that's going to be – and they're going to have to wait all the way until September. So Texas fans going to have to wait all the way until September for the – But Texas fans still have Coda in the spring. They do yeah. have still have Coda. So that's that's a nice positive. Um, And then uh, let's talk about the Xfinity Series. Uh, they're going back down to only one trip to Talladega. I was kind of disappointed by that. No, uh, it's going to disappointed at all. Well, not disappointed at all by that move. I guess I it doesn't matter because they have two Atlanta races now. But I always, I, I, I kind of liked having the three series running at Talladega in this in the fall. No, I, um, I like this. I, I mean, I'm one of those people who also think that the Xfinity series should only be going to Martinsville once because I want that other Martinsville date to go to. Another track I'll mention in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, we are going to Portland again, though. That'll be on June 3rd. And uh, this is a bit interesting. The Xfinity Series will be going to Sonoma for the first time in its history. That... Make it, they're making that trip to Sonoma worth more, right? You can, you can go to Sonoma, then travel, or go to Portland, then travel down to Sonoma. And now have to hike all the way back east to so Charlotte. So they're really doing doing the West Coast fans a solid. Yes, I mean even it's, though it, it's, Portland it's to Sonoma is is a bit of a drive. Still, from Sonoma, from Sonoma to Portland, that's still a bit of a drive. Uh, yes, yes, it's a drive. But no, they're not doing this for the fans. They're doing it for the teams because the teams don't. If the teams, unless they royally screw up. They don't have to go back to Charlotte. They, they can have the hauler stay out west. So you can make the however many miles it is, 3,000-mile trek from Charlotte to Portland, and you can kill two races with one stone. 
I'm not disagreeing with you in that being better, especially considering the lack of off weekends for a lot of the teams. Um, I mean, Xfinity and Truck will have a lot more than Cup, but it's more expensive for them because they get so little TV money. That's true. That is they true get too. so little t- TV money. It is that's criminal what they get. That's who that. It, that it, you're you're absolutely right. The purse purse levels are ridiculous. Um, but, uh, this, this was also one of the bigger interesting news pieces. And we talked about this. We just said IMSA's not going to the Chicago street course. Well, then what is, is I thought there was going to be a promoting race. Yeah, there is. It's going to be the Xfinity series. So they're going to run the Xfinity series on the, but, but this is what's confusing me. This is, this is what's confusing me is I feel like the next gen car was made with the idea of running in a street course, like being able to run it basically anywhere, right? Yeah. You know, run it in dirt, run it on street, run it on pavement, run it on concrete, run it on a road course, run it on an oval, run it on a super speedway, run it on a short track, even though it doesn't do it on a short track very well. We'll talk about that later. But the Xfinity car was basically meant to do one thing and one thing only, and that's produce really, really great classic gold style NASCAR racing. And to me, I can't really sit here and I—I I don't think they would have done this with. I mean, this Xfinity car of tomorrow. This this can't be. Is this a good idea? Is this going to be a good idea? I hope that they consulted AJ Allmendinger. I hope they did too. If, if I'm if worried, a, if AJ Allmendinger were to sit in front of me and honestly say, "Yes, the Xfinity series will put on at least a halfway decent race, and it won't be a flub." I will believe AJ Allmendinger and take him at his word. Um, this, I feel, I feel like this is probably going to be a one-year deal for Xfinity Series. That next in twenty-four, there will be an IMSA race there of some sort. And honestly, if it's not the Michelin Pilot Challenge or the big IMSA series, don't even bother. Um, it needs to be the 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 two races there need to be big series. Well. Um, uh, followed series, not some of these other classes of racing that fall under the IMSA banner. It needs to be the WeatherTech Sports Car Series or the Michelin Pilot Series. If it's not those two, I, what are you doing? I thought initially the idea of having IMSA and NASCAR on Cup on on that street course would be like a really kind of cool celebration of of yeah. kind of auto racing, you know, sports cars and, and, and NASCAR are kind of, forgive me, this is the best way of kind of saying this, but they're, they're kind of two flavors of the same ice cream, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, stock cars went off and they did, you know, NASCAR and they, they did their own kind of thing and sports cars went off and they did their own kind of thing. But in general, you know, a GT car and the next gen cup car, I mean, fundamentally might not be exactly the same, but they, they come from the same origin, you know? Um, I felt like that would be a good kind of way to celebrate the, that, that kind of that racing history, that racing heritage and kind of bring together sports car fans and NASCAR fans and introduced sports car fans to, Hey, NASCAR has got this really great road racing product. And then to tell the NASCAR fans, Hey, if you really like this road course racing thing, here's IMSA. It's, everything you know i thought initially that'd be great i don't think you're going to do that with the xfinity series you're not going to you're not doing that with the xfinity series i mean you're not going to earn that you're not going to get the crossover 
No, you're yeah. not. And I think that crossover would have been hugely helpful to the success of that street course race. So it's very disappointing to see it just be dropped and forgotten about and replaced with an Xfinity race just for no seeming rhyme or reason. Um, other things about the Xfinity series, uh, Road America will return on July 29th and is one of eight Road and Street courses. Wow, we could say Road and Street courses now on the 2023 schedule. So Road America is not leaving NASCAR. It's staying on the Xfinity series schedule. We'll talk about that in the later. And the Xfinity regular season will now conclude at Kansas with the regular, the, with the playoffs beginning at Bristol. So unlike what we saw this past weekend with the playoffs ending at Bristol, the playoffs will now start at Bristol. They will round one will be at Bristol and the cutoff race will be Kansas. Um, for the truck series, not much is really changing. Uh, they'll still remain at 23 races. They'll travel to Las Vegas only once. They'll go to Coda for a triple header weekend and will make one trip to Texas on April 1st with that double header weekend in IndyCar, like I was already talking about. Coach, and that right there is a double head again, just to point out a long stay in Texas for truck teams. They can save a trip back to Ohio where Thor sports at or North Carolina where most of the other teams are. I just want to know why we didn't do this last year. Why didn't I, we do this last year? I mean, we put on a great freaking show for the IndyCar series last year and darn near nobody was there to see it because what, what was the point? What was enticing them? NASCAR race was just a week before at Coda. This yeah. this way this way you put that truck race there on the bucket but uh, on 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 the ballot you get those NASCAR fans or you get those people who like IndyCar you get that crossover that we were talking about. Look, man, thank you. I'm glad. I'm just glad they finally got this. This is what I was saying they needed to do all this time to to revitalize this Texas weekend, and they finally done it. And I'm just so happy. I'm just so happy. It makes me want to go. It makes me want to go. Um, then this this was this is really cool. It's going to be a really cool fun. This is why I'm disappointed the the truck series isn't going to Sonoma because I was sitting there thinking I'm like, man, this is like a fun little throwback for the truck series. We're going back to our roots now because they're going to North Wilkesboro during All Star Weekend. They're going to have a points race there. They're going to have a points race at North Wilkesboro next year in the truck race. And you know what I'm really really excited about too is this is what crazy is IRP, which by the way was also announced as coming back. Um, Produced a great race because the track surface is worn to hell. Track surface is all worn to hell. You know what else is all worn to hell? North Wilkesboro's track surface. And the truck race is going to go there. And it's a short track. Oh, man, we're getting for a treat is all I could say. If you're an old school classic NASCAR fan, y'all, we're in for a good old fashioned tire dag matters short track beating and banging North Wilkesboro Saturday night showdown in the truck series, man. I am so pumped for this. I am. I, I, I saw that too. I, I was pretty excited. I'm like, okay, this is this is going to be fun. This is 1996. If the night, if the theme that night is not, if here's what I wish they'll do. They'll bring the entire 1996 drivers from the truck series who have raced at Wilkesboro, and then have like a mixed class of all the drivers who will race in the truck series race on that Saturday. Have like a mixed class photo, and do the same thing with Cup. Who the the the, the drive the thirty the thirty seven drivers who are still alive who raced in the final Northwest Bro Cup race with all the current NASCAR Cup drivers uh, who will be at that racetrack and have like a mixed class photo. Come on, man, that's just 
That's good. I'd love to see that. I especially with the truck series one because I think that'd be great is to think about how the, all all those drivers who are in that race standing next to all these drivers who weren't even born when that race happened. True. True. <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty rad. Mid Ohio is also coming back to the truck series race. We're gonna see another uh fun little mid Ohio race. And then as I talked I spoiled earlier, but Milwaukee is back on the truck series schedule for the first time since two thousand nine. I, I wonder I, 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 what I want to see now, I want to see. I, I, I really want to see Arca bring Memphis back. In in, I don't want to see Kansas on there twice. If I see Kansas on the Arca national schedule twice, I'm going to puke. I will go to the. I I, I will puke. I'm not kidding you. I will. And I Kansas want to, is a fun little finale for the Arca series. I'll say that it's not this year. It's Toledo because I of, know. But yeah, previously but I, I don't. Even, no, I don't. I don't want. I want Arca to end on a short track. I want their last season to be, their last race to be on a, on a short track. Absolute want, chaos, especially with the current points battle still being pretty tight. Yes, I want, I want short. I want Memphis to come back, um, so bad, and um, I, I do hope I I will return for them. But uh, here's something too: Have we given up on most sport for trucks in Canada? Have we just given up on that? I, I think we might. I think we might have. I, I think, but, more, but you know what, though? I think, go, go I ahead. think going to some short tracks, so going to IRP, going to Wilkesboro, and going to um, Milwaukee make up for not going to Mossboro as a fan. Now, I'm sure Canadian fans probably feel differently. I'm sure Canadians are probably saying the absolute worst Canadian swear words they can think of. I, I, uh, I really is, hope it's that. It's probably like darn. But um, you know, I I, I understand. I, I think it's it's it could be worse, personally, in my opinion. It's true. It is a good schedule. They are going to um crap. I'm pulling it up. Hold on, folks. Hang tight. Horrible radio as Rob as Rob calls it. Um and as I scroll rapidly down the calendar to the, the whole thing about having good radio is just not having dead air. I think as long as true. you're talking. As long it's as you're true. speaking, as long as there's voice sound waves coming out, I think I think you're pretty good on 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 being radio. Um, okay, but, so you know, it's what's what they call vamping. It's fair enough. The here's the thing that bug bugs me about the truck schedule. The one thing I will knock on it severely: two trips to Kansas. Why? <laughs> You're telling you me don't like Kansas fans. No, 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 no. It's not that I don't like Kansas. I mean, again, I am of the opinion that Kansas should just have one super weekend. If Arca absolutely has to go there, they should have one super weekend with Cup. I want, I want everything. I want a super week. I want, I like, like a massive Kansas weekend. I want, I want, I want someone to use the Arca road course. Or excuse me, the Kansas road course again. Whatever god abomination that is i just want that to be in use again because it's funny to me how little of a road course it is i don't care what you say i want like what i want is i want a massive kansas weekend like you're saying i want imsa on a road course i want arca i want trucks i want xfinity i want nascar and i want indycar i want all of it at kansas all in one weekend just crazy just the big kansas midwest festival of rate of speed give it to me Okay, well, that's that's audacious. But as I was saying, Kansas, there's not another place. I'd rather have Martinsville twice for one. Um, 
that's bogus over Kansas. But Kansas, but my point, my hate about that hatred of Kansas. But my my thing with Kansas is like it's not a track deserving of two dates for anybody. Um, so that that you're, there's not another track that you could have shifted that date to that would have a short track per se. This um, another track again. I will mention in a second. Uh, Rob already hinted at it. Or again. Mosport. I mean, I know they haven't worked with. They have Coda. Um, they have Mid Ohio. Okay, so they only have two two road courses, right? Am I counting that right? Coda, 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 uh, Mid Ohio, and yeah, that's it. So two road courses. I mean, Kansas shift a date to Mosport for crying out loud or Watkins Glen, please. Yeah, I, I second that on Watkins Glen. The truck series should always race at Watkins Glen, no matter what okay. hands down. That's my one knock on that. Uh, I will knock other things about the tr- the Cup and Xfinity schedule, but that's my one knock I have for the truck series. And I hope in the next TV deal that they get enough. Everyone get everyone gets an increase of money who should, but the trucks in particular get an increase to have another two or three races on their calendar that make it financially viable for teams, so they can. Go to a few of these tracks that, you know, they 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 just can't with the schedule. Even if you have, you only go to twenty three tracks. In, in theoretically, you only go to twenty three tracks. Let's let's try to get a couple more races on there. All right, that's my piece about that. Uh, one last thing before I move on, I I'm going to say, speaking to that of the trucks, uh, I personally believe that the truck series should typically always have standalone weekends. I think the only exceptions to those would probably be like Daytona, the IRP weekend, uh, where they pair it with whatever's going on at IR- IMS as well. Um, typically, it maybe Martinsville, obviously the Martinsville weekends as well should be paired with trucks. But for the most part, the trucks should be on their own typically, and they should if they're not if if they're uh, not supporting a NASCAR event, they should be supporting any other kind of event. Be that an an IndyCar race, be that an IMSA race, be that a Trans Am race, be that of Whatever, you know, I think you could easily broaden the appeal to the truck series yeah. in those regards and, and bring fans who wouldn't normally like NASCAR into the NASCAR family by pairing the truck series up with other series like that, like with IndyCar, like with IMSA. Obviously, it's probably easier to do with IMSA given the NASCAR ownership, but here's just an idea. How's this for an idea? Because I think it would be great. Um, a standalone Weekend at the Roval, trucks plus IMSA. Give it to me. Give it to me. I want it. I want I'll it. I'll write up the suggestion board. <laughs> yes. I, 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 just, I just think they should consider it. I think it should be considered as, as something. A, a standalone truck and IMSA doubleheader at the Roval. I think you would get an interesting amount. I just think IMSA the, should, should race the Roval because I think the Roval is a great great little circuit i think it's challenging and i love i've always already sung my praises about the roval it's literally to my knowledge the only infield road course i've ever seen that has elevation changes and it does by the way hmm? atlanta does atlanta does well darn they should use the atlanta one too why didn't they fix that one why didn't they repave the when they repaved atlanta they should have repaved the road course too that's what they should have done should have repaved the road course and i don't know brought trans am in there or something 
Rob, I think I'm, I'm going to the feature paint scheme. I'm here. moving on. Feature paint scheme. Truck series, truck series, truck series. Happy fun times. <gasps> Happy fun times. The last, the second, before, prior to this year, the last time I went to and saw a truck race was in 2011. At the at the time, the last time they went to IRP. Um, now all that's changed, obviously. But back then, the truck series looked a little bit different, sounded a little bit different. We're still on speed. We're carved by Rick Allen. And we're dominated by Ron Hornaday and Kyle Busch. Yep. And those were fun times, actually. Those were very fun times. Josh, uh, they had a lot of really, really cool, fun paint schemes. And uh, tell us all about yours. I'm picking Todd Bodine's number five, Jermaine Racing, Valvoline, Toyota, Tundra. It was sort of a throwback look to the early 90s with Mark Martin uh, in the sports cars of the 80s. Uh, White front, red middle, blue rear. I mean, you know the look. just you're look oh, you're picturing Mark Martin right now in your head and it's 1993 you've got the paint scheme in the in your head now modernize it a little bit throw it on a truck you got it it raced at Bristol starting ninth and finished third and then he raced it again at Kentucky where he started 12th and finished seventh so not awful performances in this truck um I it was definitely weird remembering that Bodine drove the five this year and not the 30 the entire year. He split the season. It was definitely, that was a forgotten wake-up call, but um, the paint scheme, um, you know, I don't have a whole lot of truck paint schemes, but if they made this one in a die cast, I would certainly buy it because it's just a banger scheme. Rob, what's yours? Oh, this was fun. You're talking about Mark Martin, and guess what? I've got a Mark Martin one because the last two truck starts Mark Martin ever made were in 2011, and they came for Turner Motorsport driving this truck, a throwback-ish, if you could call it that, to uh, what was Jeff Burton's 1996 Exide Batteries car. Now, this was a Chevrolet numbered number 32 for Turner uh, Motorsports, and Mark Martin drove this truck at back-to-back races at Pocono and Michigan. Martin started in the top five in both races, but finished seventh at Pocono and 14th at Michigan. Bring the truck series back to Michigan, please. Um, what? Yeah, I like how we both chose throwback schemes in a way. Yeah, I think that was unintentional. That was unintentional. I just, I, I didn't, I didn't, I like the, Kyle Busch had some great ones. Um, I thought you were going to pick his NOS scheme. Right. I mean, I loved that one, but I, I loved this one too. Because it's it was either it was either this one or the, the James Busher's Excite scheme that I was going to pick because yeah. it, I miss Excite batteries in NASCAR that used to be such a, an iconic at least for me growing up Excite batteries was such an iconic brand growing up because I it seemed like I saw it everywhere with Jeff Burton and prior to him Jeff Bodine um you know it it. Jeff Bodine in the Truck Series Jeff Bodine in the Cup Series Jeff Burton for so long. Like, I, I just remember Exide being the staple sponsor at NASCAR, and then it just vanishing. And it, it comes back every so often, kind of like Tide. You know, yeah. Tide was the staple sponsor at NASCAR, and it vanishes every so often, and then comes back magically, and you're like, oh my god, the Tide rides back. <laughs> gotta get a die cast of this. Gotta, gotta memorize this moment. Yes. All right. Okay, so we've, we've done a lot of... Da- uh, uh, a little bit of discussion we saved a lot of this for right now okay so uh we're gonna move into the fun part the upshift downshift segment this is our debate segment of the show this is the segment where we're, we're debating josh and i sometimes have different takes sometimes we have the same takes but this is the thing we love to hear from you 
So if you have a take, regardless of how hot or cold the take is, please let us know using the hashtag RobinRoller, and you can tweet us at RobinRoller, spelled just as it sounds. You can find me uh, on Twitter at rpeters33, that's R-P-E-E-T-E-R-S-3-3, and Josh can be found at Roller underscore zero one, that's R-O-L-L-E-R underscore zero one. You can tweet us your opinions, how you shift, anytime, anytime, you can do it. We, we have tweet deck open most of the time, at least I do. I don't know about Josh, but we both we both work with social media. That's typically what our jobs are. So we'll see it eventually. I don't know how much Josh checks his personal Twitter anymore, but I, I I'm still checking mine all the time. So without further ado, let's go over the rules just one more time for our new viewers. Upshift means you agree. Downshift means you disagree to a series of hypothetical questions and or statements. Sometimes these questions and or statements can be quite controversial. Sometimes they can state something that might be seen as crazy, but that's just the fun. And if you think it's crazy, then you downshift and tell us why it's crazy. That's the fun part. So let's go ahead and start off with some of the non-NASCAR schedule-related questions. We're going to separate those two into separate groups. Uh, so we'll start off with this first one. Denny Hamlin expects Kurt Busch back in 2023, but admitted 2311 Racing has backup plans. Do you upshift or downshift that John Hunter Nemechek is a part of number of 2311's number 45 backup plans, Josh? percent upshift 100 percent um if uh, kurt bush is elects to unfortunately pull a casey kane and not come back next year please don't make me don't make me remember that or says i'm going to drive a part-time effort in the third car for for the team i absolutely believe that john Hunter nemechek is is going to is part of the backup plans however i will say a caveat it to that is I also could see where Denny Hamlin buys out Tyler Reddick's contract with RCR because I absolutely do believe that Tyler Reddick at this point is a pawn in a game and his 23 season is going to be horrendous. It is going to be awful. It's going to be horrible. And this whole question, I guess, should be with the caveat that Reddick doesn't leave RCR. So I will say that with the caveat that Reddick doesn't leave RCR 100%, John Henry Nemechek will be in a car at 2311 next year. This is a doozy. Um, I think that... I No, I'm downshifting this. I don't think they really have any plans right immediately to move on from Kurt. Um, I think that this concussion was a setback, personally, for Kurt. But that's all there is to it. it it's, it's just a setback. I would feel personally, I would be, feel upset because I've, I think I've said this before on the show, but I would feel personally upset if Kurt was pushed out. You know, if he's pushed out for a John Hunter or for an early event. I don't think he's No, I know, gonna... but I'm saying like if he's not even directly, like if he sees the writing on the wall and says, "Oh, okay, well, 2311 has a future beyond me," and they're already. I, I see the plans are in motion now. If he sees the writing on the wall and decides, okay, this season is going to be my last, you know, that's not what I want to see. I want Kurt to literally drive until he just simply decides it's time. And I don't think he has, he personally is ready to 
to, to finish his driving career yet. I still think Kurt has a lot to prove. He's still winning at a competitive level. He's still racing at a competitive level. Uh, it's clearly that clear that age doesn't matter. And it's the same. You can say the same exact thing for Kevin Harvick. Age does not matter. And in fact, you, you look over an IndyCar and you see some of the most of the drivers over 40 are making the biggest names. And Will Power, Scott Dixon, Elio Castroneves, all, you know, champions, you know, within the last five years. All over 40. But to be fair, Rob, that's really not the question, though. It's like do you, the backup plans. If you have to go to backup plan, do you think John Hernandez is the is a part of those backup plans? I mean, even then, I don't think they have backup plans. That's what I'm. Th- that's what I'm saying. I don't think they actually have any. I don't. Okay. I don't know that they have backup plans because I don't know that Kurt is is leaving. I think I think if they have I think any whatever backup plan they have is just to have some kind of a reserve driver. Would John Hunter Nemechek's name fit that bill? Yes. But that's not something going to be something long term, nor would it indicate to be them needing to buy out uh, the final season of Reddick's contract in order to get him in there. I don't think that's on the table personally. Um, I don't really think that's on the table right now. I think, like I said, if anything is the case, if Kurt needs to be out for an extended period of time and there's, you know, like into next year, God forbid, then perhaps, yes, you could probably see John Hunter taking over the 45 for a couple of races. But outside of that, I don't think you'd see anything more of that. And, in, and to that regard, I think that's all it is, is just, hey, if we need you, we need you. but we might not. Does that make sense? Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. I'm not I'm not trying to say that it's fully wrong. I'm not trying to say that he's fully a, not a part of the backup plan, but I don't see that backup plan being needed and ergo I don't see them having made those definitive decisions yet. Fair I'm trying to clarify where my what my own point is cuz I understand where it could get a little bit confusing. Um if if there's no further questions, we'll get on to this. Oh, God. Noah Gregson's habit of puking after the race, particularly in a victory, is concerning. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? Um, it's certainly an interesting question. Um, I do. I, I do think it is concerning. If, as he kind of admitted and Junior said on the sh- on the broadcast, like he said, Junior said, like he tells me he like quits breathing, especially in a nervous situation the last few laps. Hi. He's under pressure. Um, that that's a that's a mental thing, and then the mental thing starts harming your body physically, and then you get what you got. And plus, I mean, good grief! I don't want to, I don't want to hug or interview a driver after he's puked on himself. I just, just ugh. I mean, it is concerning that he needs to. Say, he he said, "I'll look at it at the end of the season." But damn, dude, you got seven races left that you could win. What are you going to do when you win the championship? <laughs> no, that's, that's, he's got to get this looked at. I upshifted. It is, it's concerning. It's not like, I don't think it's life-threatening, but it's certainly concerning. I mean, I, this is, this is a very, very easy upshift for me. This is absolutely concerning. I've, 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 I've seen some of his comments that he's attributed potentially. Now, from what I understand is the most recent comment that he made was that I guess he's planning to see a doctor over the 
course of the offseason to get something other than the the uh, media center for the race the media center and uh, my god poor guy i i it can't come soon enough because you're right i mean if he goes all the, if he goes deep in a, this playoff in the playoffs and he makes it to the championship four and he you know is able to win the race and win the championship my god you're gonna need an iv in that guy the second the car comes to a stop he's gonna lose all the fluids in his body I put an IV in the car with him. God, no kidding. I mean, it, it worries me. It, it, like it's, it's like you're almost worried for him to have success because you know he's just going to vomit all over himself. And I don't, it's like the last thing I want to see is they stick a microphone in his face and he's not fully caught his breath yet. Yeah. And, and, and you get a, a scene that gets replayed on SportsCenter every now and again. Um, yeah. Or is used as a Twitter gif to describe something disgusting. Become the, the new NASCAR chasm profile picture. <laughs> and that too, well, uh, probably a lighter point to that, yes. Uh, but ultimately, it's an easy upshift for me. It's it's very concerning. I don't, I don't want to see Gregson get hurt, like physically because of this. I, I hope that he's. I understand he wants to talk to a doctor after the offseason, but it it might be a good idea to talk to someone before the offseason because buddy you're seated very high in the playoffs if you win the championship i am uh, me and a lot of other people are going to be very concerned for your well-being so uh yeah definitely hope he gets it checked out sooner rather than later um final non-nascar schedule related question here uh this will be fun colton herta was denied a super license waiver from the fia because he is an american driver do you upshift or downshift this statement Josh. I am going to downshift. Just barely. I think him being American certainly played a role in it. Um, but I don't think it was the top reason. I think at the end of the day, uh, I applaud the FIA for sticking to their sticking to the rule and saying the way the rule's written, you don't have enough super license points. Um, so therefore we're not going to guarantee a waiver. You cannot race an F1 next year. Come back in a year and we'll see if you're good. Um, I do think that the FIA needs to relook or rework the super license system. I know it, I, I think it should exist to keep people from buying their way in, but it shouldn't prevent someone who is, did he win the Indy Lights championship? Yes, he did. Okay. I thought he did. I can't remember him or Pato won. Um, he's won the he's won the Indy Lights Championship. He's won six, seven Indy car races, and he's com- he is competing in the most competitive series. Whether Indy- FIA wants to admit it or not, Indy Car is the most competitive racing series in the world. And to ha- not have enough after four full years here is kind of sad. So it- the the American thing played a role, but I don't think it was the overarching thing. Um, so I, I I downshift for that reason. I was wrong. He did not win the Indy Lights Championship. We didn't. He well, he at least finished third second. and second. Third. And he finished third in twenty sixteen Euro Formula Open Championship. I mean, the and deal. And let's you take a look at who was also in that season okay. series. Well, let's 
let's see. You can't here. deny Anybody that, that he's not talented. So he's Anybody... got the he's not successful. He's he is deserving of an uh, F1 ride. But Dorian what... Boccalanchi, Tatiana Calderon, Tatiana Calderon again, Jack Aitken. Yeah, these are the only rec drivers I recognize in this entire series. So maybe not exactly as a stacked series. Who won the championship? Leonardo Polcini. Oh man, whatever happened to him? Well, to him. Whatever happened to him? He's, he's got enough of a resume to be an F1. But as the rules were written, the FIA followed it, followed it as they thought they should, and they didn't grant him a waiver, and I applaud them for that. But do I think that he wasn't granted a waiver because he was an American? I downshift. So, Rob, how do you how do you how do you shift? Um, I don't think that they denied him a waiver due to his nationality. That is not what I believe. I believe that the FIA denied him a waiver because of their inability to admit that IndyCar is a premier series and their inability to admit that anything other than Formula One is a premier series. The reason why I say this, simply put, is because the idea of treating IndyCar as a feeder series is, first of all, stupid. Um, I recognize wanting to promote uh, your own feeder series and wanting to place more meaning and more weight in winning an F3 and an F2 championship. I respect that. I understand that. And I don't inherently disagree with it. But those series are junior categories. Okay? And you don't have to necessarily take the same junior category to get to wherever you are. Okay? Um, I understand that Formula One and the FIA want to promote that ladder, but they have to understand and respect that the United States and even Japan and Australia and other countries, not just Europe, but other countries outside of mainland Europe, have their own feeder series that are just as qualified as F3 and F2, okay? Maybe not, maybe the talent level isn't one-to-one -one ratio, maybe the depth isn't a one-to-one -one ratio, but for the most part, the cream of the crop typically tend to win those championships and go on to do something very successful. IndyCar is not a feeder series. In the same regard that the WEC is not a feeder series. Formula E is not a feeder series. Super Formula is not a feeder series. These are independent professional racing categories that require immense skill to reach the top of. Okay? Supercars, for example, is not... Is, again... Look, and, and if you want to talk about that... Look at Scott McLaughlin. If, if IndyCar had a super-licensed system like Formula One, do you think Scott McLaughlin would have been able to race here in, for, in IndyCar? Probably not. Probably not. He wouldn't have had enough super-license points. He would have had to have run some kind of Indy Lights race or win an Indy Lights season. He wouldn't be able to come over to IndyCar based on his established, uh, established clout as a driver. And the same qualifies for Jimmy Johnson in that respect as well. Jimmy Johnson doesn't have these magical super license points, yet we all know, okay, 
He's a seven-time NASCAR champion. He doesn't need to prove to anybody that he can do it. Okay? Am I comparing apples to oranges here? You might say, but still to that point, my, I say to that, these are not feeder series. Let's yeah. say if, if this is a situation where someone completes the Road to Indy champ scholarship, and let's say, okay, this, how about this? This would be a better example. Let's say, let's say a Formula One team wants to sign Linus Lundqvist, right? Well, he just won the, form, the, form, the Indy Lights championship. He just won the Indy Lights title. Okay, based on that alone, he doesn't have enough super license points to get into F1, but he just won the top feeder series level of his uh, of, of in America. And you're telling me he's not good enough to get into F1. Oh, but he can race an IndyCar. He can race amongst other F1 drivers and other sports car drivers and other champions and Indy 500 champions and even Formula Two champions, Formula Two race winners, Formula Three race winners. In Alexander Rossi, Callum Eilat, uh Satino Ferrucci even, uh, Frick, uh, Connor Daly won races, Rossi won races. I mean, all of these people won in Formula th- in these feeder series. And they got to IndyCar, and why are they successful in IndyCar? Because they came through a Formula 2, a Formula 1 feeder series, and went into IndyCar. And they didn't have to go through Indy Lights again to get in there. Heck, Max Chilton did just because he wanted to. You want to know why Max Chilton decided to be different? Because he wanted, he didn't want people to think that he bought his way into IndyCar and he, he wanted to come in and basically prove himself an Indy Lights first and then go into IndyCar. That's what he did. Now, what if we made everybody who made that transition do the Max Chilton way? Would that be fair to anybody in those series? Any of those up-and-coming drivers in those series, if we were forcing them to compete against Roman Grosjean, Callum Milet, Jimmy Johnson, uh, shoot, whoever you want to throw into that conversation, it wouldn't be fair. Yeah. And what we're saying here is the same thing as we're telling Colton Herta, who's already an established professional race car driver, that he has to go beat up on a bunch of kids first before he's allowed to go race in F1, despite the fact that he's already proved himself in a professional racing series. It doesn't make sense. They didn't kick him out because he's American. They kicked him out because they don't recognize that IndyCar is a major series. And that's the bigger fundamental problem that we have here. The fact that they're not recognizing IndyCar as a big series. Okay? And again, I understand. Oh, but they want to promote their own ladder. That's fine. Promote your own ladder. But don't sit here and tell actual professional racing drivers who already came through a ladder of their own and made it to the top in their own respective sport that they're suddenly not good enough for F1 because they didn't do it the quote-unquote right way. That's, that's ridiculous. And that's the more reason why I'm upset about this decision than because of some kind of xenophobic ideal. It's, it's not because of that. It's because the super license system is stupid. And I said it was stupid several, uh, several episodes ago. And I said that it was created and basically tweaked so that the people like Max Verstappen could never do what they did. And then they say, oh, but it's so you can't buy your ride. And yet Latifi and Stroll are still in here. And actually, fun fact, Stroll spent less time in a feeder series than Latifi did. Hmm. Interesting how that worked, yet they both bought their way into Formula One. Interesting. Interesting. Very, very interesting. It's almost like Stroll was a much better driver and earned the super license points faster than Latifi did because Latifi wasn't as good of a driver as Stroll. And even though they both bought their way into the championship, 
One did it on merit, and the other one did it on longevity and exploited a system. Do you see my point? Do you see? Am I making sense? Yes. Yes. Am I just go? Okay, I'm making sure I'm not just going on and on and on about this. I'm making sense. This that's that's my major issue with this, and that's my take. That's my big rant, Josh. I don't know if you have any rebuttals, agreements, what have you. May I agree what you say? Yeah. They don't value IndyCar as a professional racing series, and it makes me seriously wonder if some if someone right now from the WEC, like let's say anyone who or anyone who's come up through sports car race. I mean, this or how about this? Uh, when Andre Lauderer made ran, made that random start for Caterham in 2014, nobody made a big deal about him not having enough super license points. Obviously, this was a different super license system at the time, but nobody made a big deal about that. Why? Because he was already established as a respected driver. He'd already accomplished enough to warrant the fact that, hey, he's probably going to do fine in an F1 car. Yep. Yep. I, I just, this is what blows my mind. It's what, is, is Colton Herta as a, a established driver as Andre Lauderer was at this point, at that point of his career? Yeah, I think so. I think I would say so. I would say arguably in that same regard. If you're if you're weighting things between IndyCar and sports car racing similarly. But that's still still more to that 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 it's just ridiculous. I I'm that's why I'm frustrated. I understand why other people are frustrated about it. I understand other people's points of view of it. But my whole point is the super license system is broken and it's been broken since they decided to tweak it so that people like Max Verstappen could never fly through the ranks. Uh, based on pure talent alone, they have to slog and grind their way in championships that they're too good for for God knows how long until they're finally able to get to F1 where they can finally be seen and respected as a legitimate driver. I just... All right. All right, that's enough for F1 and politics and whatnot. Let's talk about the NASCAR uh, schedules because they were released and we have a couple of questions based exclusively on those. The first one being the Xfinity series will race in eight road and screech courses in 2023. Do you upshift or downshift that move, Josh? I do. I love it. I love it. I love road course racing. Um, I think, of course, I've already shared my thoughts on this a few weeks ago. It might have been a month ago. I think it was like July, actually. I, I do believe fully that the Xfinity series is going to be an all-electric SUV series. Um maybe by the end of this decade um, and it's going to be, you know, road and street courses and short tracks. That's going to be its makeup. Um, and, you know, in the, in the interim, Xfinity Series puts on great road course racing. So, you know, we don't want to overload. I don't think you want to overload the cup with road courses necessarily, road and street courses. But the Xfinity Series, I think you absolutely can. I love it. I love that we have... Uh, Chicago is a little iffy. I could do without Chicago with the with these cars, um, just based off of what we were promised originally. But I love that Road America is still on there. And, um, I mean, I love all the other tracks they're going to, too. So, uh, fantastic. Keep it up. I love it. You know what? I'm downshifting. That doesn't and surprise me. And I... I, I, I... Don't get me wrong, I do love Xfinity Road Course Racing. I, I do love it. I do genuinely love it. I think it's great. Um, so do not get me wrong on that. But I think they've pushed pushed a little too far with eight. I think eight's just it it's 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 factually too much. Um, yeah. 
So Chicago Street Course, first and foremost, was a very interesting interesting addition for the Xfinity Series. I, I've already explained that I don't think it's inherently necessary, but I'm just going to – I'm going to let it slide um, for right now. But I think NASCAR's kind of overdone it. They've really – they've done a great job with, with the Truck Series schedule, though. They've done this great job with the Truck Series schedule in kind of getting it back to that – level of roots that NASCAR fans want. And I think that they seriously have to start looking in a couple of years at doing more Xfinity truck doubleheaders again. I mean, if this these truck races at Milwaukee and at North Wilkesboro are big, massive successes, it's time to bring the Xfinity series there. It just, it, it, it's time. You know, you have to bring the Xfinity back to Milwaukee. Then you have to put the Xfinity Series back to North Wilkesboro. You have to give those North Wilkesboro fans a reason to come out. And if it's a standalone weekend, great. Or if maybe you you have the Xfinity Series be the big show on Saturday and you have a bunch of, you know, late model or races or an ARCA race to build up to it, you know, whatever, I don't care. Um, you know, you have to... You have to do as the truck series is doing because you see this. We NASCAR is finally able, I think, to do what the fans have been asking for them to do for the longest time, which is these short tracks, which is these more diverse schedules. And and don't get me wrong, I'm really really happy to see a diverse schedule on the Xfinity schedule. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I love the fact that they're still going to Road America. I'm really happy that we didn't lose that. You know, I'm really happy. Um, I'm really happy with the Xfinity Series still going to the Indy Road Course. Don't get me wrong. I mean, would it be nice to see them go back to IRP? Of course it would, but that's not going to happen. So for right now, I just have to be thankful that I'm seeing something that is cool and interesting and unique while I cross my fingers and pray for a return for the Brickyard 400. But even then, you see how much progress the Truck Series is making and how much progress the the Cup Series is making in terms of really satisfying that need for like getting back to this. And and when we talk about some future potential sites like Nashville, Nashville absolutely needs to be an Xfinity mainstay. And I would argue that they need to be going there twice. Maybe drop a, drop a, a race at the, um, drop a race at the super speedway and run the two Xfinity races at the fairgrounds. Get that. I mean, if, if what you're saying is true, Josh, that we're going to road racing and short track racing, then get our, you know, get everybody ready for that. Bring back those truck Xfinity doubleheaders of, of yesteryear. You know, you could promote a race like that. It's not impossible. I think NASCAR can, if you can run ARCA and, and Xfinity races and still make money on those, then I think you can do our Xfinity and truck and make it a big deal. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying, you know, NASCAR is inherently wrong for giving the Xfinity Series eight road courses. But personally, I would like to have seen some of those dates go to some of the tracks that they got Truck Series dates for. You know, like that Milwaukee, um, even in some cases, like uh, like that North Wilkesboro. Um, Maybe North Wilkesboro wasn't feasible for this year, but in the future... I would like to, if, if the All-Star Weekend goes well, I would like to see them consider perhaps a standalone Xfinity Series weekend there or maybe 
an Xfinity weekend paired with some other form of late model series or ARCA or something, ARCA East or something like that. Um, that's where my take is. Uh, next question here. Iowa Speedway will not return to a NASCAR National Series schedule in 2023. Uh, I have an idea, a very, very strong idea how you're going to shift on this, Josh, but I, as the host, I am required to ask you anyway, how are you shifting on this statement? Down shifting so hard, Rob. I knew it. I am a psychic. I'm down shifting so hard that, that Kevin Harvick would call it a crappy part. <laughs> Look, go keep it simple. Truck series, two races at Kansas. Shift one to Iowa. Xfinity series, two races at Martinsville. Shift one to Iowa. Cup series, two dates at Kansas. Shift one to Iowa. Yes. I, I, I know I've harped on Kansas a hard, hard bit here, but look, that, that's it. That was a great weekend. IndyCar proved that this, if you do the promoting, you find a promoter like Hy-V, a partner like Hy-V, and NASCAR's way of doing races and promoting races is 100% different than IndyCar. It, it can be successful. It can be absolutely 100% successful. So um, I downshift this. Uh, Iowa should have the very least have been back on the truck and Xfinity calendars. Yeah, this is a pretty easy one. Going back to what I literally just said of wanting more short tracks that are exclusive to the Xfinity and truck series and bringing back that idea of double headers while keeping the schedules diverse. You know, you don't want to separate the two series you still want to have them support each other but you know i think in some of those cases you know you can you can really you can really do a a big number there um and add some some major diversity to your to your schedules um and like i said we're doing that xfinity and trek doubleheader quite frankly it'll cost you less money because you're not expecting to make as much you know you already know how much you're going to make. They already know how much your standard Xfinity and truck race attendance-wise is going to make. They make most of their money off of TV deals. That's why you see barely anybody in the stands during any Xfinity or truck uh, d- uh, companion event with the Cup Series. You get those things in like individual again. Now you got something because here's the thing. Here, here's that big thing about that is you give people an, another weekend. Where NASCAR comes to town, I think they're going to take it. I really think they're going to take it. If you give people a, a, an extra weekend where NASCAR comes to town, they'll take it. Um, and Iowa, I, it's just so sad that NASCAR doesn't seem to see the value in Iowa that race fans and IndyCar see. NASCAR just doesn't seem to see any value in it despite owning it. And it makes me wonder, you know, I Roger Penske's not going to open up a Penske he's not going to own racetracks ever again. He's too old for that, but it really does make me wish that NASCAR would sell it to Penske. Like if they don't want it, if they don't want to put the money into it, why not get some money out of it and sell it, sell it. If you're not going to use it, just sell it. Don't let it just sit there and go to waste. Like you have done with so many other tracks like Nazareth and fricking Pikes peak and whatever Rockingham. All these tracks of North Wilkesboro until now that you just let die and not care about? Why not sell it to someone who's going to care about it? And maybe that's not Roger Penske. Maybe it's someone else. I don't know who it is. But for the love of gosh, NASCAR, it just seems selfish to the people of Iowa to rob them, to, to dangle 
you know, four races plus IndyCar races in their face for a whole decade and then just rip rip it away to the point where they get two IndyCar races and now they don't even get a truck race at Knoxville. It's not fair to the Iowa fans. You're going to make them have to travel all the way to Kansas or, or make them travel all the way up to Milwaukee? I mean, that's too far for them. That's not fair. They're too good of fans. They've come out. They've supported Iowa for far too long. Give them the races that they deserve or sell the track to someone who will. Yeah, but do you think if NASCAR were to sell the track to Penske, they're go- it's going to have any better shot of getting a cup date or an Xfinity or truck it date? It wouldn't matter if it would get a cup date. It w- what would matter is the fact that it would have a permanent tenant. Okay, I see your point. That's fair. It would have a permanent tenant no matter who it was because right now NASCAR owns the track and you would think be it with it being owned by NASCAR, they would obviously put some races there because they own the track. It's just like ISC. They own the track. They know the books. They know how to do it. If they... You know, they make most of the money with TV revenue anyway, so they barely have to promote the darn thing anyway. If you're not, it it just doesn't make sense to me. Why just sit on it? Sell it to someone who wants it. If it's not Roger Penske, I would hope that it would be someone who would be willing to take it and invest the time in getting it. And even then, they could rent it out to NASCAR themselves and do just what IndyCar does, but for a NASCAR weekend. Because NASCAR is obviously not going to do it. So someone else is going to have to step in if if we really want to see racing back at Iowa. All right. Next question here. Kansas Speedway retained two NASCAR Cup Series dates. Oh, wow. I bet I know how Josh is going to shift here. I'm going to eat my uh, Cheez-Its and listen. Uh, do you upshift or downshift, Josh? Wait, I, I downshift, uh, and I'm kind of rolling this into here. Um, there's probably a cup. Richmond, there's another one. Um, you know... I think we both kind of heard rumors of other tracks that could be joining the calendar this year. Or, you know, I, I was, I was the only change to the calendar, the cup series. Well, there's two, there's two changes to the calendar this year. One was road America, losing a date criminally to, to Chicago and Texas losing a date in North Wilkesboro taking over the All-Star race. Those were the two. actually just pure irony if you think about it. It is irony. Wilkesboro it is. lost its date for Texas. Texas loses its date for Wilkesboro. It's just, it's like time is a flat circle. It's just like mwah, chef's kiss of absolute perfect karma. So I was expecting a, a few more changes. I'm hoping that 24 delivers on those. You know, I think Kansas, Kansas is a fine racetrack. But this isn't 2002 anymore. I think you gotta, you gotta. There's, there's a very, there's a handful of tracks that deserve two dates, whether it's one configuration or two configurations of, of a, of a track. And Kansas doesn't fall into that category. You have a race in Gateway now that's going to pull fans away. You had, you saw the fans what they could do up in Iowa. Um, you have an under you you have an underserved market in the Mississippi Arkansas region, and you have a track there in Memphis. Um, and the duh is Colorado and the mountainous region with Pikes Peak. You know, Rob. I think there's. I think to me, um, there's. I think Kansas, as far as the NASCAR side is concerned, Kansas, Richmond, and. Darlington, uh, their days of having two dates are numbered. Yes, I do believe Darlington will only be down to one date here 
uh, in, 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 in soon. I do. I know no, that doesn't don't like that, that. That doesn't make the we just got two Darlington races again. And I know I, it's uh, easily the best track on the schedule, and you really want to take a one away from me. I, I and I understand that, but I think I really do that it's going to be how many markets can you hit. And when you talk about there's I when I talk about there's only a handful of tracks you can you can go to twice, whether it's one configuration or two. So y'all hinting y'all understand where I'm going with that one. If it's one configuration or two, it, you Darlington does not hit that, does not check that box off. Kansas, high competition area with with three tracks around it that deserve dates and and their communities deserve a date um that can be better served bringing the race to the fan all right and i i i i hate that i think kansas puts on a great show they put on a great show both times this year both races were great in kansas from cup side and xfinity side as well um but um you know give it a suit give it a big super weekend there i think it's a track that could guess you certainly host indycar again um, I, I, I think it's a can, it should be a candidate for that. Um, but you know, get, and I don't mind Kansas being in the playoffs. If Kansas wants to bring, remain in the playoffs. That's great. I think it's a great playoff track. Kansas has been in the playoffs since the playoffs have existed. Exactly. It, exactly. It's one of the few tracks that, that haven't left. So to me, give it a big super weekend in, in the fall with all three, with all four major divisions of, of NASCAR. And, um, you know. Call it a day. Well, you know, for me, I I do agree with some of what you said. Um, I don't hate. I don't hate Kansas having two dates. I think the thing that I don't like is the fact that they're seemingly okay with having both days, both of them be day races. I think that's another thing, Josh. We talk about. You know, I feel like if you do have two dates, one should be a day race and one should be a night race. If if applicable, like if the track has lights, like in the case for Atlanta, Atlanta has two dates and one's a day race now and one's a night race now. I think that absolutely should have been the case forever. Uh, the 400 rate mile race at Darlington should be a day race and the Southern 500 should be a night race or you could swap them around. I don't care. Um, either or. I wouldn't hate a May Darlington 400 mile Saturday night race. I would love that. I'd love to go back to that while still having the Southern 500 on Labor Day weekend. Um, I, I think that, uh, well, both Richmond dates should be at night, but I would also prefer to have one during the day and one during the night just for variety's sake. I mean, I think when you bring these things, these points up, Josh, that a track that doesn't have two multiple configurations, I think to that point, I think that they should just have one ra- one day race and one night race. That being said, even then, if Kansas were to lose a date, I wouldn't mind. But I, it's then my opinion that you shift that date and give make it something else. I mean, I, I just like IndyCar trucks, you know, IndyCar and trucks. Why not? Why not do that? Um Same goes for Richmond, if you're going to lose that date then let IndyCar race there. You know, that's my that's been my biggest thing, is when NASCAR cuts all these tracks, is the, the, then these tracks that have held 
two dates for decades upon decades, they suddenly go down to one race. It's like, man, demand for the tickets go up, and but now you've only got one opportunity all year to make money, make any money really. That's not that's that's from a racing standpoint. These tracks do a lot more than just host races today. Right, but that's like your main big source of income. That that that's true. That that's fair. I mean, but you're going from getting two of those to one. I mean, that's. I mean, I'm not saying it's not impossible, and I'm sure they ran over the books before they did it. But that's a big change in overall in in how your operating budget has to. But has you to also be. have to remember, Rob, that these tracks are owned by the same people. So right. if if, if NASCAR, Speedway Motorsports, their races it doesn't matter how many races or how many races one track has a whole. The, the company's bringing in the same amount of money. Where it hurts is when you give the date to a track, which is really only three of them now, where when Pocono lost a date to Gateway, that was killer. That hurt their bottom line 100%. Indy helped Gateway, but if uh, when Michigan lost a date to Darlington last year um, in 2021, it didn't hurt NASCAR's bottom line. It's just a matter of shifting around money and resources. No, I, I mean, you're right. You're right to that point. And I, I shouldn't have... Maybe I, maybe I didn't word it properly there. Um, I think as a fan, maybe coming as... Maybe I, I, I think coming more from it as a fan, it feels more like you've been ripped off. Like you've had two opportunities to see NASCAR for 20, 30 years, and now you only get one. And in the case of, I don't know, I, you know where I'm going, and you know why I'm saying this. Everybody knows why I'm saying this. Everybody knows what I'm saying with this. I don't inherently hate Kansas having two dates. I don't inherently hate anybody having two dates. I just think that, one should be during the day and one should be at night. And the other thing that I don't like about the modern NASCAR schedule is that there's only two Saturday night races left. There's only two. And I think that we've reached a point where that's unacceptable. And this is maybe getting into a totally different subject, but it's kind of it's more mostly related, but I don't know if you saw that Chase Elliott said that he believed that NASCAR should wrap up before college football. And I want to challenge that to him. And I want to say, how about this for an idea? More Saturday night races in the fall. Yeah, but you're going up against college football night games. It doesn't matter. Night games. Night games. You're you're focusing on the big places. As long as as long as those big those big markets don't have a college football team playing in the seven o'clock window, you're fine. But you, but if you're not on NBC, it doesn't matter. And NBC's going to have a big game. And NBC's got this big new Big Ten contract. You think they're not going to air in, uh, a Notre Dame Saturday night game or a Big well, Ten? It might not be possible now, but they should have been doing it beforehand. Is what I'm saying. They should have been doing it from now. Like they, the yeah. thing that made NASCAR great was the fact that you know, the Saturday night races when they came around in like May and then. Around this time here in in the late summer, made everything great, built a lot of drama, built a lot of momentum, had great TV ratings. 
Now, not so much because they're going up. They're always having 335. Right there, TV ratings. You're not going to get as good a TV ratings, and therefore you're not going to sell as much ad advertising and get as much ad money because the TV ratings on Saturday are not good. So, Saturday so no night- matter what, the idea of, the, of, of having an, one day race and one night race is just not possible anymore? Yeah, I think so. I think the, the the best ratings and the best ad sales are on Sunday or Sunday races or Sunday night races. So that's Even why when I, they're competing against Atlanta NFL football, a night race and not a Saturday night race. I, but this is okay. I respect that. I respect that. I respect that. I, boy, I just, I'm surprised. I maybe I'm just I'm surprised. I'm I'm more surprised that I would think personally, most. People watching college football would watch those college football. If they wanted to watch college football, they watch those those noon to like three thirty window games, and then by the time that ends, obviously all the fun big one games start. But that doesn't mean. But you know, if you don't have a dog in the fight, you know, if it's two colleges that you don't like, or if it's two conference rivals or whatever, I mean, you're probably searching for something else on. I would think the NASCAR race would be the better option, wouldn't it? Football fans are weird, man. I mean, diehard football fans will watch anything. Will watch any football. They will watch. I I can't even think of a crappy school. Uh, two crappy schools, but the, they'll watch Loyola and I don't even know if this Loyola. Is Loyola doesn't have a football. No, they do actually. Never mind that. Ah, okay, you know, they'll watch two small schools play. It doesn't matter. So it isn't the best time in the in the fall. You got to be running on Sunday. You got to be running on Sunday. In well, the fall. that's that's all right. Well, I'll just keep remembering what life was like back in the fun old times. Someday the metaverse will take over, and I'll be able to go back to two thousand and four. Josh, don't know when that'll be, but it'll be sometime in my lifetime. The Truck Series races at Martinsville only one time, and it is the spring weekend and not the fall weekend. Do you upshift this or downshift this, Josh? Downshift this for two reasons. One, that's criminal. Why are we not having Martinsville the penultimate race for all three divisions is stupid i understand why you may want to have a a modified race there on thursday um and that sort of be your triple header but why can't you have trucks on friday too i think it's that's that's that's, to me brilliant marketing and in the second reason is the truck series is kind of egregiously lacking races in the fall I'd rather there be. I'd rather the spring, like it used to be, be really light on truck races, and the fall sort of be packed. And again, it's another reason just to ship that that Martinsville race to the to the fall. And with the Xfinity Series running two races at Martinsville, heck, I think Martinsville could be fine being a standalone race in the Cup, and or maybe bring. I'd rather Arca be there. And modifies be there in the spring, and then bring Xfinity truck and modifies there in the fall. Yeah, yeah. The truck series, if they're going to race at Martinsville once, it has to be in the fall time. It has to be the fall race. Uh, my opinion of that is is that the Xfinity series doesn't belong at Martinsville. Personally, I think only the truck series and the Cup series do. Uh, but if they're willing to do that Xfinity thing, I think it's the Xfinity series that should only be racing there once, and the truck series should be there twice. That's my take of it. Um, I think that makes for better racing. I think the truck series needs more of those short track races, whereas the Xfinity series can kind of get away with not necessarily having as many short track races. 
because they have a better product a mile and a half on mile and a half and in, in mile ovals and, and, and basically any track above mile and like they can usually put on a pretty darn good race just as good of a race as they would put on a short track whereas the truck series i don't think you could say that i think you take the truck series and you put it on you know a mile and a half and you have maybe a 50 50 chance of the race being good you know usually depending on several factors tire wear if there is any at all track conditions and uh, overall attrition how much a draft plays and all that stuff varies um yeah i'm downshifting i i think that's it's not a good move it's not a good move um and speaking of not a good moves i'm foreshadowing how i'm going to shift on this one Final question of the day. The Xfinity Series will conclude its 2023 regular season at Kansas and start its playoffs at Bristol. How do you shift on that, Josh? Oh, gosh, this is this is, this is bad. Downshift 100%, and I got an easy solution to this. You're going to Talladega once, okay? Move that spring Talladega date to the fall, all right? That makes, that shifts Kansas to the second-to-last race of the regular season, just like it was this year, in Bristol to the... Um, regular season uh, finale race. Texas becomes the first race in the round of, of the round of twelve for the Xfinity Series. Talladega is race number two. Charlotte's race number three. Um, this is just—I mean, this is buggered up. This is this. This was to me the dumbest part of the Xfinity schedule. Aside from Iowa not being added, I will say that um, this was the dumbest part. So I downshift. One hundred and fifty percent. Um. Yeah. It's it's a pretty easy downshift for me too. Um. I don't know what the heck this idea, what the what their logic behind this was. They they touted how great of a, an elimination race Bristol was. Like it's been in all the marketing. It's been on all of the advertising. It's been all NBC talked about all weekend. And here we go. They're just getting rid of it. And we're gonna end the season at Kansas. Who wants to end the season? No, Kansas is like a middle round race. You know, Kansas is a like that third race, that that middle race in in the round that you go to. That kind of thins. That's like that normal race. You know, you gotta have like that one normal race in a playoff round that you know drivers can control their destiny. I think it was Christopher but Christopher Bell. Almost said Christopher Busher, Christopher Bell, who said that after the race on Sun- a Saturday night, um, that you just—that's one of those tracks that you go to control your own destiny. Uh, I think NASCAR has set a precedent that they seem to prefer tracks where you can't set your own destiny um, for playoff rate for the end of the playoffs. What with you know, really the truck series, um, the truck series cut off. Um, Is it Pocono? Yeah, being Pocono, which is kind of a crapshoot most of the time. The Cup Series playoff being Daytona, which is an absolute crapshoot. And then this Xfinity cutoff being Bristol. I mean, that seems to be what they're they're playing on. It, it just seems like they're very, NASCAR is very inconsistent on what they want. It's like, do, they, do you want a crazy playoff finale where it's entirely unpredictable from the moment the green flag drops to the moment the checker drops. Or do you want one of those races where, eh, we kind of know what's going to happen by the end of the second stage. They, they, they seem to not be able to make that distinction between their three series on how 
specifically they want that to play out. And I think they really need to figure that out because this this ain't it. Bristol was a fantastic cutoff race. The fact that it's no longer a cutoff race is is a complete mistake. The yeah. fact that it's an opening race, the opening race, it, it means nothing. Look how great this, this cutoff race was for the Cup Series. It was a great race because it was an it was a cutoff race. It was an elimination race for the Cup Series. It was a cutoff race for the Xfinity Series. That's what made Bristol great because guys could kind of control their own destiny, but they also kind of can't. There's there's that level of control, but it's a good balance between control and chaos, I think. And that's what makes Bristol such a perfect uh, cutoff race. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Okay. All right, so I've talked a lot. Let's wrap up the weekend. That's it for the Upshift Downshift. Remember to play along at Robin Roller, hashtag Robin Roller. Uh, the Arkham Art Series had a com- com- combination race with the E-Series at Bristol. Sammy Smith won that. Didn't really uh, matter. He also uh, he locked up the Seuss Chiefs showdown, didn't he, too? I think and he won the East Championship as well. Yeah, I think that's about right. Uh, so good for him, Sammy Smith. He's doing good in the Xfinity Series, too. He'll probably be... In Joe Gibbs in the Xfinity series next year, and uh, be interesting to see how he does. It's kind of cool to see Pilot Flying J colors back in the Xfinity series. Uh, it's kind of kind of cool to see that after you know Michael Annette's retirement last season. Uh, the Truck Series race at Bristol, Ty Majeski got his first career Truck Series win uh, and punched his ticket to Phoenix, which is dude crazy. It's okay. First of all, the Truck Series started their playoffs in July. And they just sent their first player to the first driver to the championship for in mid September. I gotta love you. You already said it in the upshift downshift. Truck series needs more races. Truck series need they need more races in the playoffs at the very least. I mean, it's ridiculous how few races they have in the playoffs. They need more races in the fall. Yeah, definitely. But in the fall in general, but like mostly in the playoffs. Um, yeah. So that, that, but uh, talking about the truck race. Dude, was there any tire? That I think I was, I was, I was reading. There was zero tire degradation at all in that race. Yeah, the tires that were brought to all three series this weekend were, like, at least from Goodyear, were too strong. They were too hard. Just disgusting. Uh, in the Xfinity series, Noah Gregson won. It was a bit of a crazy, fun race. Brandon Jones ran him clean. He did run him clean. I can't really be mad about that. I, I definitely expect Brandon Jones to kind of. Give him a good nudge or a bump, but he ran him clean, and I can't be mad about that. Um, I think a lot of people were a bit too critical on him, but I think if you're Brandon Jones, I think a lot of people see you as someone with a reputation as maybe being a rich boy, and I think driving a little bit smart and kind of saying, I'm not going to race him that way, I'm not going to win that way, I think it's a good way, especially going into a new team next year to kind of say okay i've matured it as a driver uh i i've accepted you know where i am at this stage of my career and i'm just going to go out there and i'm going to drive my heart out and try and win races for for my guys and i think i think that just showed a, a good level of, of personal growth for brandon jones it was good to see you know it's i'm sure he would have liked to have won but you know he's still in the playoffs he's still locked in he's I, as you'll see later, I think he'll he'll be fine in, in going deep in the playoffs. And then old Christopher Busher got his first uh, Cup Series win that was not rain-delayed or a non-points race. He's won 
uh, dual races. I think he's got all star open. I'm sure victory or at least a stage win maybe in one. Um, and and then he won that race in 2016, uh, the rain short race at Pocono. Uh, one year after winning the uh, the then Nationwide Series championship in 2014 or 2015, excuse me, because the Xfinity yep. Series. Sorry, I dated myself a little bit too far. He won 2015 Series Xfinity Series title. Um, that was the last. That was the last uh, season without a playoffs yep. in the Xfinity Series too. I think. Yeah. So. Did you think? What did you think about Toyota leaving? the 45 and the 23 out there and basically helped assist Kyle Busch get knocked out. I don't we, think it was them assisting Kyle Busch getting knocked out. I think it was more them trying to assist the 45 and the owner's points, especially since they knew that they had screwed up. Because the problem, especially the problem with that is it's just because you win a race, it doesn't mean that you're going to be necessarily seeded high in the playoffs. It just guarantees that you're going to get into the next round. It doesn't necessarily guarantee your seed, seeding. The biggest thing for that 45 team is trying to get themselves seated as high as, as high as possible so that they have as much of an advantage going into the next couple of races. Because Bubba's, Bubba's going to be an also-ran at Charlotte unless he pulls an amazing, you know, an amazing deal out of his butt, <laughs> you know, like he did at Indy where he finished great on a road course. You know, Bubba's not a great road course racer. He admits it. So I don't expect him to do super great at Charlotte. So it'll be all down to them basically trying to get as many points this weekend at Texas and next weekend at Talladega. Um, if, if they, if he doesn't do that, then he doesn't, you know, it, if he doesn't go out there and try and get as many points as he can and try and build, you know, build that cushion up into the next round as much as he can, then, you know, he's basically setting they're they're basically setting themselves up for failure in the owners in the owners playoffs. Right. So I don't necessarily think it was done. They did anything malicious to Kyle Busch. I think it was just the team. That was a team decision, not a Toyota decision. I agree. Uh, the team did what was best for them, and not it wasn't it didn't have anything to do with Toyota. I will say that. I will say that I think that Joe Gibbs has given Kyle Busch the R and D stuff though, because that's ridiculous. Too many. It's that's too many engine failures in too many weeks. Especially during the playoffs, when you think they'd be getting their absolute top tier quality stuff, um, I think I think Gibbs is pushing Kyle Busch out um, at this point because now the the announcement has been made. They know Gibbs knows internally what they're going to do next year, and they're just ready to move on. And it's unfortunate considering how much Kyle has done for that organization for Toyota to see that kind of level of treatment. I I don't want to necessarily buy into all of the conspiracy theories, but it just seems a little bit fishy to me. I mean, you, Samantha was saying it on Twitter and Kyle kind of alluded to it in the post-race press con or in, in to the press after the race too that I think I think they're getting R&D stuff and I don't think it was I think I don't think it was anything to do with 2311. I I just think it was the fact that Joe Gibbs is ready to be done with Kyle Busch and doesn't really want to see him go out on top. Yeah. You think so? I mean, I, I don't like, I don't like agreeing the conspiracy theories like that, but at this point it's like, dude, I've seen this before. Like, <laughs> I, I'm sitting up in my chair and I'm pointing at the TV and I'm saying, Hey man, I've seen this one before. I remember this. This seems to happen. Who are hurt over this. And there's a, and, and, it's understandable. And why should they? But why should they be? I, I, Kyle wanted to return. I, I, I think 
that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation for another day. But there's just a lot of people who are hurt over this departure. And um, not like Kyle didn't want to return. It's not like Toyota didn't want him. I think we I know. all know where the common denominator went on who didn't want Kyle Busch back. And it was the fact of the matter was as soon as they cut him out from their bottom line, they knew they they were done. And, and and that's not, I mean, I'm sure, and that's not something Kyle wanted. I don't think that's something Toyota wanted. I think that's just a business decision on the part of Joe Gibbs Racing. And even though a lot of people are upset by it, and I mean a lot of people internal and external, it's still a business decision at the end of the day, and it's what's been done. What's done is done. Kyle Busch is going to the 8 next year, and it's it. it's done. He's out of the playoffs, too. He's out of the playoffs. He's going to have to try and make a playoff push with RCR next year. Um all right, let's uh boy, let's finish things up. Outstanding performance, Josh, who you got real quick? Ryan Sieg because he just maintained that um top 15 spot at a track that is not very good to him. He is not very successful at Bristol. He earned his first top 10 in Bristol uh uh this weekend. So he did everything he had to do, and I think he could possibly do to, to stay above the cut line for the playoffs. So, and now he's in there. Hard to disagree with that one, but I'm going to just go with RFK Racing as a whole. I mean, what a rebound. Brad Keselowski came out, win a stage. Chris Buescher came out and absolutely dominated the final uh, final stages of that race there and, and come out there with his, his first cup win since 2016. It's huge. Um, just an absolute great rebound. Um, I hope it's a sign of things to come for that organization. Brad Keselowski said uh, post-race that he was hoping to, he said his goal was to at one point bring RFK back to a four-car team, open back up the Xfinity program, all of these things. Brad's got, he's got these ideas. I I, I believe in Brad's vision for the team, and I can't wait to see it happen. And, and I just know that success like this is going to get the ball rolling for things like that to happen. And so as someone who absolutely wants to see Roush expand like back to a four-car team, get back in the Xfinity Series, maybe even get back to the Trek Series, give Ford a real strong presence again in, in NASCAR, where you know I think Toyota and, and Chevrolet have really taken the realms uh, from that. So it, it'll, be, it'll be really great to see um, what the future holds. So, uh, oh gosh, we have to do the Xfinity Series playoff predictions too. Josh, um, here are the playoff drivers for the Xfinity Series. Noah Gregson, Ty Gibbs, Justin Allgaier, AJ Allmendinger, Josh Berry, Austin Hill, Brandon Jones, Jeremy Clement, Sam Mayer, Daniel Hamrick, Riley Herbst, and just barely squeaking in is Ryan Sieg. Uh, Josh, we got the round of 12 coming up this upcoming next couple of weeks. Texas, Talladega, Charlotte, Roval. Uh, who are your first four out? Ryan Sieg, uh, just, I mean, yeah, he's good enough to get in. He's not good enough to advance. He's going to need a crazy win in Talladega. Daniel Hamrick, the college slow. Colleague is slow. Uh, don't have really f- much faith um, in the way that 11 team's running either. He's going to go out. Jeremy Clements, again, he's he's not even at Sieg's level of consistency and per- or potential performance. He's going to be out as well. Sam Mayer, he's going to beat himself. Um, I think he's out of the round of 12 as well. Uh, my first four out is going to be, just much like you, I agree, Ryan Sieg. Love the guy. Great job getting into the playoffs, but he just has not had the performance that Tells me he's going to stay in the playoffs, barring a win at Talladega. Uh, Jeremy Clements goes the same for him. Again, barring a win at Talladega, which after a win at Daytona, we've learned anything is possible. Um, but uh, then then Riley Herbst, I'm sorry, but you're just not cutting the mustard still. And um, 
I don't think he's going to get replaced for Haley Deegan, but I still don't think his he's going to be. He, I I think his time in NASCAR is getting ready. It's it's getting towards the end unless Monster keeps funding him. Uh, I think this he's only got a couple more seasons left, especially after all that. And then uh, finally, Daniel Daniel Hamrick, like you said, colleagues just not cutting the mustard this season. Don't know what they need to do to get it stepped up, but. Uh, really expected Landon Castle to make the playoffs there, and the fact that they couldn't even build him a car that could last the whole 300 laps is is kind of disappointing. Um, so based on that alone, I have a hard time believing Hemrick will have any any kind of success. Uh, and it's sad too because he came off winning the championship last year, being quite literally the most consistent driver overall over everybody. And now he has just completely struggled to have any kind of success, luck, or consistently. Well, he's been consistent, consistently running in, you know, the top 15 between 10th and 15th, which just quite simply is not going to cut it in modern Xfinity. Uh, Round of eight is coming up here at Las Vegas Homestead in Martinsville. Josh, who are your uh, next eight out and the eight that do not go, or excuse me, the four that do not go to the championship board? Dinger's going out this round simply because there's not a road course. Uh, Austin Hill as well. Um, he's been the most consistent RCR car. I think RCR's found a little speed. I don't think it's championship four speed, though. Brandon Jones, uh, Riley Herbst. Riley Herbst, I, I give him a little more credit than you do. Um, I, I don't think he's championship four speed, but I, I think he's top 10 speed and i think that will get you to the round of eight based off of the other other performers in the or other competitors in the playoffs and their performances so um you know brand jones riley herbst they will get the good round of eight but they they won't get out of there without a win um and and i look at these tracks i just don't see them winning one of these one of those three races in the round of eight uh, my out is going to be Sam Mayer. Uh, I have him moving on to the round of eight, but he's not going to make it past the round of eight. Um, like you said, Austin Hill, unfortunately, I think he's a good driver. It's just this year's not his year. Um, AJ Allmendinger as well. Like you said, no road course colleagues, not up to snuff. I think it's gonna be really tough for him to get into the championship four. Um, I think he could potentially get a, get a win at, I mean, he's a wild card to win, but if he doesn't win, I don't. I don't see him getting getting in there. He he he'd have to win uh one of those races and, and I just don't think it's going to happen for him. Uh and then finally as much as I like him I I, I don't think Josh Berry is going to get into the championship for. Uh I know it's probably a bad idea to pick against him at Martinsville, but um I I haven't I haven't necessarily seen enough uh enough out of him lately to signify anything to me that I think that he could make a decent championship push now maybe that changes within the next three races i don't know but really ever since uh the summer rolled around josh barry has not been where he was i think um he's been good he but he just hasn't doesn't have that championship uh level of performance yet but he'll get it he'll get it i think if he he's definitely next year if if he continues the level of performance he's got next year for sure i think he'll be championship four material um and now speaking of the championship four josh who do you have as your four drivers going for the win at phoenix at junior motorsports trio noah gregson justin allgaier josh barry and then ty gibbs um these again i think i give i i 
Barry has struggled, but I think the playoffs are going to suit him very well. Uh, just based off of where he has run well this year. All guys been strong all year long. Graxon, I think he's been the best driver all year long, um, even better than Ty Gibbs. And I think Noah Graxon is going to win the championship. I really do. I think we're going to see him win the championship and and, uh, and uh, puke on the Xfinity Series trophy. So that's what we're going to do. That that doesn't happen, but uh, my championship four is going to go be Ty Gibbs, Justin Allgaier, Brandon Jones, no Gregson. I agree with you. I think Gregson's going to get in. I think Allgaier's going to get in. Of course, Ty Gibbs is going to get in. I actually think Brandon Jones is going to get in as well. Uh, I think I think he's good. He's he's a sleeper to win. I think it's just because I think he's going to win. I think he's going to win one of those races and, and, and get himself in. Um, that I don't think he's going to have... I think he's going to finish probably fourth in the championship, but... I would not be surprised to see him get a win at Vegas, Homestead, or Martinsville. Um, given the fact that I think he's won at or had success at all three of those race tracks. He won at Martinsville earlier. Uh, okay. And I know he's traditionally pretty decent at Homestead in Las Vegas. So at least yeah. mile and a half. Uh, so I sweat, but like I said, I don't think he's going to really do much of a for to challenge for a championship at Phoenix. But uh, I'd be surprised if Ty Gibbs is not the champion at the end of this Xfinity Series season. I think Ty Gibbs has far beyond everybody. I mean, outside of Noah Gregson, he's been the class of the Xfinity Series field. Um, if Gregson's not going to be the victor like you picked him, I think it's definitely going to be going to Ty Gibbs. And I have a feeling that Phoenix, and in this kind of situation, is going to be where Ty Gibbs is going to thrive. And he is going to get that championship and then move into the Cup Series, driving the number 18 and going for Rookie of the Year honors next year. Um, that's our picks. We'll see if we hang up. We if they end up being true already, my truck and Cup Series picks are already wrong. I had Kyle Busch going to the championship four. Yeah, that's a cha- that's a bracket busted. Totally busted. I did not have Tyler Reddick going out as early as he did. I did have Austin Dillon going out, but boy, that was probably the only easy one that I had. Um, yeah, Josh, you've got a fun fe- uh, featured segment for us today. It's going to be the featured season. What are you going to be taking us back in time for? Yeah, well, you know, with with the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series uh, season reaching 19 different winners. Uh, it ties the 2001 NASCAR Winston Cup Series season for the most wins in the NASCAR modern era, which I will also plug here that I think we need to break up the modern era. 1972 is nothing like 2022. We need to change that. Um, I've been we thinking have about to have like the we have the to do it like the, the 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 playoff era, right? The yeah, 2004 I think, I think to the present. modern era. The modern, modern era, era is 1972 to 2003, and then like the, the postmodern chase era. The right. chase era or the playoff era is is 04 to present. That's how I'd break it up. That's how I would agree with that. That's how I always have yeah. broke it down as well. Um, I've thought about doing the featured season for some time. Um, just never have pulled the trigger. And I feel like this is a really good time to do it just because of what's happened this week with 19 different winners. Chris uh, Chris Buescher becoming the the 19th different points winner. There have still been 21 drivers to win in NASCAR this year. in The Cup Series, Ryan Blaney winning the All-Star Race, Brad Keselowski winning the dual race, but those aren't points. Those aren't official winners. 
So 19 winners. I want to talk about the 2001 NASCAR Winston Cup Series season. So 2001 was the 53rd season of comp- cup competition. It began on February 11th at Daytona International Speedway for the Budweiser Shootout and ended on November 23rd at New Hampshire International Speedway, as, as it was known. Uh, and all the season consisted of 36 points races, the uh, most in the modern era, uh, as we will come to find out. And um, one all-star race, the Budweiser Shootout, and two Gatorade duels. A total of 70 drivers scored points in the season, with Lance Hooper and Stuart Kirby tying for 69th with 37 points scored, each making one start. Um, at the top of the point standings was Jeff Gordon driving the number 24 Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet, uh, scoring 5,112 points. Uh, he finished in the top 10 24 times, top 5 18 times, and scored uh, six victories at Las Vegas, Dover, Michigan, which was my first NASCAR race, Indianapolis, Watkins Glen, and Kansas. Um, this was his fourth championship, and sadly for Gordon Nation, it was it would be his his final one as well. Um, he captured six poles: Rockingham, Darlington, Martinsville, Sonoma, New Hampshire, and Richmond, but was also granted the pole at the season finale at New Hampshire due to the races. Uh, starting order being determined by owner's points uh, following the 26th race at Richmond. Some of you may know. I'll explain that in a second. Uh, Gordon didn't complete the most laps. He had completed 10,638. That honor went to Bobby Hamilton. He completed 10,750. Uh, but Gordon did lead the most laps, 2,320. That's just a lot of laps left, man. Dominated this year. Uh, Hamilton also has a distinction of being the only driver in 2001 to be running at the finish in all 36 races. Um, but he did so by only finishing on the lead lap in 13, which was a little shocking to me that he did that. He only finished on the lead lap 13 times. Uh, pretty wild there. The 2001 season officially got underway with the 2001 Daytona 500, a monumental race in NASCAR's history. It was the first race for... Uh, Fox to broadcast, and it televised a very different-looking Cup Series from the end of the 2000 season, let alone the beginning of the 2000 season. looked completely different. But it's also uh, the race we lost Dale Earnhardt in a last-lap crash, um, but his driver, Michael Waltrip, scored uh, his first Cup Series victory. The first race after the Daytona 500 was at Rockingham. The Duraloop 400, Richard Childress Racing, arrived to the track, uh, with Kevin Harvick driving the number 29 in place of Dale Earnhardt. Um, Dale Earnhardt's black number 3. Harvick's 29 was well, white, simply an inverse of the car. But it was Dale Earnhardt Incorporated, Steve Park, who won the race. Emotional victory line. Race 3 was won by Jeff Gordon, Earnhardt's last great rival. That was at Las Vegas. And then Kevin Harvick beat Gordon by sixth one-thousandths of a second in the fourth race of the season at Atlanta, his third career cup start. Um, three big races right off the bat with three um, meaningful winners in different ways to, to Dale Earnhardt. Uh, a special way to sort of move away, move on in heal from the tragedy that we suffered in the Daytona 500 that year. Um, the In the sixth race of the season, Elliott Sadler scored his first career Cup Series victory at Bristol Motor Speedway. 
It was the 97th career win for the Wood Brothers uh, and their first win since 1993 at Atlanta with Morgan Shepard. Uh, they wouldn't win again until 2011 in the Daytona 500 uh, with Trevor Bain. And in that race, John Andretti finished second. Uh, in the eighth race of the season at Martinsville, Dale Jarrett scored his third win in four races. Those wins were at Darlington, Texas, and Martinsville. In the ninth race of the season at uh, Talladega, Bobby Hamilton won, and it was a race that featured zero cautions. Again, a much welcome sight from the in the first super speedway race since that 500, and it would be Hamilton's fourth and final Career Cup win on April 29th. Uh, the 10th race of the year was at Auto Club Speedway. Remember when Auto Club used to be in April? Well, it's inaugural, yes. also in June, so uh, that, one, that, that track has had a journey on the calendar side. Um, anyways, it was Rusty Wallace who won on what have been Dale Earnhardt's 50th birthday. At the All-Star Race, then known as the Winston, Jeff Gordon won, but it was not before NASCAR granted teams the ability to roll out their backup car because on the first lap and the first corner of the... Of the Winston, everyone crashed. Most everyone crashed because rain started to fall. And as we saw at Daytona a few weeks ago, rain and hard, solid, no-tread tires, eh, not a good mix. Not a good mix at all. In the race's 17th race of the season at Daytona, it was NASCAR's return to the Super Speedway since Earnhardt's death. Uh, fans cheered above the roar of the engine, which I don't think will ever happen again as Dale Earnhardt Jr. took the lead, and then again when he won. And Alan Bestwick's most famous line, in my opinion anyways, it's going to be Dale Earnhardt Jr. using lessons learned from his father to go from 6th to 1st and score the victory in the Pepsi 400. I mean, that's just that's burned. That image and sound is burned in your head. When your teacher says you can't hear a picture and you see a picture of that, I challenge you. You hear it every time. Uh, one week after the July race, NASCAR visited Chicagoland for the very first time. Kevin Harvick won, with Robert Presley finishing second. Forgot about that. 2001 was the first year with Dodgeback in NASCAR's highest division in a lengthy time. And at Michigan, the season's 23rd race, Sterling Marlin was declared the winner of that race, uh, driving the number 40 Chip Ganassi Racing Dodge, scoring Dodge's first victory of the season. Um, took him a while, came close a few times. Sterling Marlin, Chip Ganassi got it done. Uh, NASCAR postponed the season's 27th race uh, at New Hampshire following the September 11th terrorist attacks, um, and that became the season finale race, and that's why the owner's points for the the race was started by owner's points based off of the race's 26 um, season owner points standings. Uh, when NASCAR returned to racing, it was at Dover, and it was Dale Earnhardt Jr. lifting the spirits of the sport with a victory once again. Um, again, that might that might be a challenge for Daytona if if you could for for loud fans. They were pretty loud over that day. Uh, Gordon won the following race at Kansas, the inaugural at the brand new mile and a half speedway. Um, that was so Chicagoland and Kansas made up races 35 and 36 of what was a 34 race calendar in 2000. Ricky Craven earned his first career win at, in the fall race at Martinsville. At Homestead, Bill Elliott scored his first win in 226th races, and it was the first for Everham Motorsports, and it was in a Dodge. And then, last point here, Jeff Gordon clinched the 2001 championship in the penultimate race of the season at Atlanta, the original season finale race, uh, and nearly won the race at New Hampshire the following week, but 
Robbie Gordon had something to say when he bumped him out of the way, and Robbie Gordon eventually went on to win that race. Um, his first career win uh, that uh, that season as well. So we had a, a few drivers score their first career victory uh, this this season. It was good. 19 race winners uh, coming in the season finale race. So I don't know. Hope you guys liked that. I, I felt like this was an appropriate time to do this. I definitely want to do this in the future. So if you hate it, let me know and I won't do it. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I loved it. I enjoyed learning about listening to all of that. I loved you're right. The 2001 season was a season of change uh, in all of NASCAR, really. Uh, new TV deal, lots of new primary sponsors being uh, announced, different different paint schemes all over the place, brand new racetracks, Kansas, Chicagoland, places like that. Um, you know, more more races, you know, modern era, you know, finally expanded to 36 races uh, with those additions of those those new tracks. Um, you know, you had, like you said, the death of Dale Earnhardt triggered the, the safety enhancements and improvements, the mandating of the Hans device, Kevin Harvick stepping in, winning in Atlanta. Really, 2001 was one heck of a season, man. I mean, you did it justice, but it, it there's still so much more that you could probably talk about uh, in terms of 2001, and it, it all just happened, everything that happened that season. So thank you for that, Josh. Thanks for preparing that. We really appreciate it. Uh, all that you do for the, our featured history segments and teaching us all about history. Uh, let's take a look at the windshield. We're still one week from Formula One returning at Singapore. Like I learned earlier in the show, Singapore is coming back in two weeks' time, and then we'll go to Japan after that. And then uh, the Bathurst 1000 is also in two weeks' time, coming up here in October 9th. But we have uh, NASCAR uh, this weekend because they will have the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series at Texas, and then the Truck Series is off until... Uh, two weeks, uh, two weeks time at Talladega. Um, next week's time, excuse me, next week's time at Talladega. Uh, so we do have some racing this weekend, mostly NASCAR stuff at Texas. Uh, hopefully we'll see a good race. Uh, overall, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate this. We know we've gone a little bit over time this week, but we appreciate your, uh, allowing us into your homes, into your cars, uh, onto your phones. Uh, however you listen to us, thank you so much for listening. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media if you haven't already. I've dropped it a couple of times in the podcast, but we are at Robin Roller, spelled just as it sounds, R-O-B-A-N-D-R-O-L-L-E-R. Uh, I'm Peters 33 at P-E-E-T-E-R-S-3-3. Josh can be found at Roller underscore zero one, R-O-L-L-E-R underscore zero one. We thank you so much. Be sure to use the hashtag Robin Roller and play along with uh, our upshift, downshift, and... If you haven't noticed already, you can uh, take uh, take part in the Spotify question of the week if you are a Spotify listener. Thank you again for listening. For Josh Roller, my name is Rob Peters, and this has been the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. Have a great week, everybody, and enjoy the races. <laughs>